Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we are bringing you four awesome indie games news stories, but before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside... Another of the Big Josh Boys. This is Mr. Josh Nichols himself, Active Quests. Josh, how are you doing today? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I'm going to ask you a really uncomfortable question that I feel like I should get out of the way quickly. Ooh, let's is do your it. name actually Josh Nichols? <laughs> it is. And people have asked me before, hey, like, is that like the Drake and Josh guy? And I'm like, yes, it is. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Ordering, I've, I've had uh, a few times where I ordered food, and then, like, the person that gave me the food was, like, They showed up Drake really depressed because you weren't Josh Peck? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, dude. He, like, come on, you think he lives here? Come on. He's, <laughs> like, an Instagram superstar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, he dude, lost most... a shitload of weight, too. He went from being, like, a little, 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 little chonky. Now, there's anything wrong with that. I'm chonky. But he went from being a little chonky to being, like, ripped. Yeah, and he's in fucking Red Dawn, the remake. Just mm -hmm. straight up Merkin dudes. Got a six pack and everything. Yeah. Josh, he ended that well. And then there's Drake, who, like, he's got issues, dude. He played Timmy Turner in that live action Fairly Odd Parents movie. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> I don't think anyone liked it. Which I was curious when that got announced. Like, I was like, okay, what's going on? So I typed in Drake Bell Networth. This is, like, you know, when that happened. And his net worth was like negative like $600,000. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I just looked it up though just now. And his net worth is a positive 400000 So get that uh -huh. fucking friendly or friendly. Yeah. Fr no, fairly. Fairly odd parents money. Yeah. Now now people just think of him as a fairly odd parents shill. They're like, he's just going to be freaking Timmy Turner over and over again. He'll never be able to have another role. Just Timmy. And they don't. Re people fail to realize because of this crime that he committed by bringing that monstrosity to life. People don't remember him as being in the "I Love Lucy" of the early two thousands. Drake that's, and Josh. That's a great way to put it. You know what's super weird? Normally we would start off talking about just like something really uncomfortable and weird, but you and I just talked about Papa John's for like thirty minutes before this podcast started. <laughs> we really did too. So. I don't think that's necessary, even though it would be interesting for the people listening. But just know, yeah, we talked about Papa John's for a solid 30 minutes and how he definitely sweats like Parmesan sauce now, like the mm -hmm. garlic sauce. He's got some issues. 
let's just hop into what games we're playing. I'm going to let you go first because the games I've been playing, I have barely played any of them because I've been stuck, just really, really stuck in a loop of playing live as a service games and MMOs. So I've been playing The Division 2 and fucking World of Warcraft and barely played Anodyne and Anodyne 2. Really wish I would have played more. So what have you been playing this week, Josh? Um, so, um, I've been playing, uh, Minute and Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, and SteamWorld Dig 2. Um, those are all three available in Xbox Game Pass. Let's get that out of the way right now. So, I, okay, I have to ask you real quick. What is up with this Xbox Game Pass thing? Because Chris makes fun of you so hard for Oh, he does. He does. He makes fun (laughs) of me, uh, on Active Quest, too. Yeah, There's times we're about general. to start recording, and then him and Joseph are like, Game Pass, Game Pass. Yeah, every game that you say you're playing, they're like, wait, is, is that, that on Game, game pass? pass? Yeah, there's times where I'm like, actually, this one I purchased, and they're like, ooh. That's crazy, um, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I just, I just really like it. Um, when they first announced it, like, like originally, like, I'm talking, like, when it first, like, kind of launched in 2017, like, the middle of the year, it was neat then. I subscribed for a month to just check it out, and that was back when... It was pretty much just stuff Microsoft had published and a couple other things. You know, there wasn't any, like, Metro Exodus and shit like that in there. It was just, you know, a healthy amount of games, good price. Um, But then it just kept getting better and better and better. And um, I think it was really smart what they did because, like, when they launched Xbox, uh, um, what's it called? Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox, Xbox Live Ultimate, I forgot, but Ultimate, which is the... Uh, annual cost of gold divided by 12 because it's month to month. So then you're not overpaying if you're going month to month combined with uh, the cost of Game Pass. So it's $15 a month and you get both. Well, what they did when that um, was announced is they made it so if, if people signed up for Ultimate, it would convert your existing gold subscription into that. And that was really brilliant because then you had people everywhere that, um, you know, had a couple years of gold like stacked up. Or they would go out and stack it up before spending the dollar to get the uh, conversion done. And then everybody was kind of acting like it was silly of Xbox to do that. Like, oh, this is so funny. It's like an exploit. But, like, they knew that that, that that was possible. And what it resulted in was a whole bunch of people that, you know, basically got free Game Pass, quote, unquote, until their gold expired. And then you have everybody that's stuck in the service, which is great. That's the whole point of the service is... You got these games filtering in and out every month that vary from being super indie to being super triple A. And that's what I love because it, it puts a spotlight on games and kind of helps uh, games, you know, be more visible that might not be. So I think that's what I like about it the most is I, I have friends um, that I know well or just like coworkers that are like playing games that they never would have played because all they had to do was click install. And that, that, that excites me because... You've got people that maybe just played sports games or just played shooters or maybe maybe they just played like Forza and Call of Duty. Not there's anything wrong with that, but maybe that's all they played on their Xbox. And now they've got this service that's recommending, you know, games that they never would have tried. And then you've got people falling in love with indie games and stuff like Hellblade that they might not have normally played. Yeah, yeah. Let alone the value is just spectacular. It's definitely mm-hmm. the best value in, in gaming right now, I'd say. Oh, and Chris was right. I did play Crackdown three in there. When I heard him joke about that in the show, I was that 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 just in case anyone thought that was a joke, I was totally ranting and raving about Crackdown three when it came <laughs> out. Cause like that game was so much fucking fun. Like if you haven't played it, like you should. It's fun. And like no, it's not as good as Uncharted four. Hell no. But it doesn't need to be. You know. 
Okay, who in their right mind is comparing Crackdown 3 to Uncharted 4? Well, I think the expectation was, oh, Xbox finally has an exclusive, and it's trash. And it's like, well, hold on, it's it's not it's not trash. It just isn't amazing. But I mean, there is a fine, there is there is a there is a uh, an area that exists between, you know, um, a, a really shitty unplayable game and like you know, game of the year. And yeah, I think it, that people forget that. Like, you know, it's okay for a game to have a lot of flaws, but if I'm having fun the whole time, that's all that really matters, right? Yeah, it's okay for a game to be good. It doesn't have to be the best thing you've ever played. It doesn't have to be life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like so we how were did talking you... about uh, Bastion uh, last week and how you kind of revisited it and um, how you were kind of having trouble. You know, you like you weren't enjoying it as as much as you were. Yeah, you I was somewhat underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, but like it's it's still good. You still had fun. It just wasn't as mind blowing as it was when you first played it, which is you know it's fine. Nothing yeah. Wrong with that. Not everything has to be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So, I mean, I probably put like 20 hours into Crackdown 3 and I, I literally installed it and played it just to check it out. Like I wasn't under any obligation to keep playing it, but I was like, this is fun. And I spent like the next week playing it a couple hours every day. And I don't know. It was just a really fun game. And it's nice to have games that aren't like, you know, massive giant RPGs or little tiny indies. Like there is this little space in the middle and, you know, there's some fun stuff in there to play. Ah, speaking about indies, how did you like playing Minute, Hellblade, and Steam World Dig 2? So, Minute, I did not know if I'd enjoy it because the premise sounded kind of like I might get stressed out because basically you've got a minute to do stuff until you, like, die and reset. Which I thought, well, I mean, how... I, I thought I had to be, like, rushing the entire time. But... I don't know, I've probably played it for like a half hour so far, which is plenty of time, of course, to like learn how the loop works. Um, so your area that you reset and die to can be moved as you discover new locations. Like my current location is like a camper that I, I found or something. When I walked in there, it was like, you know, you can respawn here now or, or whatever. It's like your, uh, your new base. I forgot how they phrased it, but that's basically what it was. Um, and then, so basically what it does, if anything, it's actually smart because it limits you into exploring areas that are, you know, a minute away. I mean, a little bit less because you have to get there and then do the thing that you're there to do. So really, probably like 30 seconds away. And so it kind of makes it so you get to explore without going too far, which in turn makes it so you, you like, know where you have to go next or what you can do next because you, you, you can't go farther than you're really supposed to. So it's like there's a couple of things that you can do you know, you might get a key or you might get something that allows you to push boxes. And then you're like, oh, I saw this other area over here where I couldn't progress any farther because, you know, I couldn't move these boxes out of the way. Well, then you went the other direction and found a thing that made it so you can move the boxes. So it kind of, I don't know, it kind of, it's almost like a, like a physical space puzzle game because you're, you're, you're forced to problem solve in this area that's 30 to 40 seconds away from your, your respawn point. And that area, of course, moves as you play the game. So I don't know. It's I didn't know if I'd like the gameplay loop, but I, I definitely do. I, of course, was playing it in, in on Xbox. I was playing it in Game Pass, but it's on Switch and and you know PS4 and, and PC and stuff too. It'd probably be the most fun to play on Switch because of that gameplay loop being kind of small. So it, it would be really good for just playing for a few minutes here and there. You'd get more impact from the, uh, a shorter session than something like you know Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey. So it'd probably be a good Switch game to play. Yeah, I've heard from different people saying, like, 
If you knew what you were doing in the game, it might only take you like a minute to actually beat it. Like, I mean, well, that's actually literally the entire premise of the game is getting through in a minute. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I've heard that uh, from multiple people, the amount of time it took them to beat it was less than a couple hours. Like once you actually get the gameplay loop and I didn't know that it actually had a checkpoint system, which is nice that you. Yeah, I didn't either. I was like, well, how am I going to beat that game? Like. <laughs> Yeah, going from start to, like, trying to go from start to finish in one minute sounds really annoying. But the second that you say it has, for the most part, a checkpoint system, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and then That's things you better. acquire and things you do are saved. So really, uh, it kind of behaves like a roguelike. Is that the right word? Not roguelite. Rogue, roguelite? I do not know I the difference those between up. the two. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I was it's like once whiskey told... with an E-Y and whiskey with a Y. I don't know. Yeah, I was once told by somebody that pointing out the difference in the two is just being pedantic, and that was the first time I've literally ever heard anybody say the word pedantic. I've only heard Peter Griffin say that word. Yeah, I had to look it up because I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. For those who don't know, it's basically just pointing small errors out to make yourself feel intelligent. That's what pedantic means. Yeah, super fun. It's so like you, if you, uh, it, it's it's like when you're like splitting hairs. Yeah, it's like okay. I mean, I guess you're right, but who who gives a shit about this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's fun. I don't, I don't think it was marketed very well. I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't marketed good at all, but I mean, like I would have enjoyed this, but I didn't know that I would have enjoyed it. You know. Based yeah, also let alone that like everybody who played it, I've I've heard multiple people, probably upwards of like five people talk about this now, and you're the only one I've actually heard say there's any sort of checkpoints. So. Hmm. Oh, so. oh, one more thing too that I want to tell you. Um, you can reset. So let's say you start going a direction, you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to go this way. You don't have to start like, you don't have to just sit there and wait it out. You can hit a, I forgot what button, but you can hit a button and just like reset. Oh, that's you'll nice. reset back to like your spawn point. But if you're if you make a mistake and, and you, you know, you don't have to just kill yourself, you can just respawn. So that's cool. So, yeah, I, I, I would recommend it. I think you should get it on switch probably because it'd be the most fun on there. But I mean, it's I mean, it'll be fun in longer bursts, too. Oh, and the, the colors. It's really cool because it's like it's darker. Like, I don't know. I really dig the, the, the graphic style and the music. Yeah, isn't so. it all black and white? Yeah, I mean, so so far I haven't seen anything that I I, I would assume unless there, unless anything changes like later in the game, uh, everything I've seen is just like black and white, and I don't know, it's got a cool contrast level where like some areas look almost it almost reminds me of like a, a Game Boy, like an original Game Boy game, but like obviously like you know there's more going on here than a Game Boy would be able to do, but I mean, kind of like Shovel Knight is to like NES games, like that's how we remember them looking. Like for me, this is how I remember Game Boy games looking, even though I know like you know they didn't look this good and smooth or whatever but like it reminds me of like um of that aesthetic like it's trying to be you know like a 19 like 88 looking ass game but like it looks cool I, I like it um and the music's the music's really good too so yeah i recommend that um and then i actually started playing hellblade this is actually kind of embarrassing this is in game pass like you know it is but i bought this the day it launched on uh, xbox one um I had Damn. a PS4 when it came out, but I just, um, I, I had too much to play at the time, but I remember thinking, oh, that looks cool. And then when it got ported to Xbox, I bought it that day just because I really wanted to show like, hey, there is interest for, you know, like Japanese developed games and, and like more obscure games. Because it feels like PlayStation mostly gets like the, you know, the... The really JRPGs. Yeah, like really anything that doesn't feel like it's like grounded and like 
like a Western RP. I don't know. It just feels like Sony gets all like the weird and quirky shit, which I like. That's great. That's that's awesome. Like that's one of Sony's strengths. Um, and I know that Xbox has been pushing more to try to get that. But just as a consumer, I wanted to show like, hey, there's you know there, there's there's an audience for this. So that's why I bought it the day it came out, um, even though I didn't have any intention of playing it immediately. But um, yeah, so I but I just started playing it because uh, Josh was was uh, talking about it, and I was like, man, I really should check that out. Um, so I only played the first like hour so far, but I, I really like it. Uh, I heard a lot of, I don't want to say criticism, but I heard a lot of people kind of make excuses for, I guess I should say, uh, the, the combat, like, well, the combat's not very good, but that's not the point. I think the combat's fine. Like, yeah, it's not super like in depth and like, there's not a lot to it, but like, it kind of reminds me of Batman Arkham City kind of combat where like, you've got a couple of basic commands and you're just kind of blocking and hitting, but like, that's, that's fine. I don't need there to be a, you know, like a fucking Dark Souls, like, combat system in this game. Like, that's not the point. Yeah, it doesn't need to be incredibly in-depth to be fun. Yeah, exactly. So it does kind of feel like, okay, I'm going through this combat encounter. It almost feels like it's more important for the story and the plot and the pacing for it to be there. And that the point of the combat is so that there is conflict here. And it doesn't feel like the combat's the point, but like that doesn't mean it's not good combat. You know, it's, it's, it, it serves the purpose and it's, it's fine. Um, it's smooth. It's not frustrating. Um, I had a trouble with the puzzle that you're, you're hit with pretty early on after you get control of Senua. Um, you have to like, look at these glyphs on this door and then like find uh, that glyphs like somewhere else. And it's like on a wall behind you. I just didn't understand what it was telling me to do at first. I just, I, I didn't know. Like I, I thought I was supposed to try to find like this glyph in the middle of these moving shapes on the screen on this door. But really it was like in the environment somewhere. So it was like fucking like 10 feet behind me. But like, I, I, it wasn't clear to me that that's what I was supposed to do. So that was a little, frustrating but now that i know that that's might pop up throughout playing that's that'll be less frustrating i still have to kind of question what the point of that is that doesn't seem like an entertaining way to open a door but i don't know i guess it's one of those things where i wish it was a cutscene because it's not adding anything gameplay wise but it is cool story wise that there's like fucking like glowing doors and glyphs and if she focuses on a shape and then looks at the door it can like open it like that's really cool story wise but like playing find the glyph on the wall around me is not fun to do um, from a gameplay perspective. You can play Where's Waldo when you're a kid. You can check out those books. You're like, man, this is awesome. Or that game Hidden People, which is basically just Where's Waldo. My favorite out of that shit was I Spy. I loved the the pictures. Like, I loved all the detail. In the, do you remember I Spy? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Man, I saw a video on YouTube like a month ago and it was the guy that like made those and he was like showing off his like workshop with all the shit in it and like how he just like he was like suspending stuff some strings and like you know like creating the like these like, super uh, weird pictures. Yeah, and it was just really cool cuz it's like all like none of it's like animated like he just made it look like that. So it was like completely deliberate. It's neat. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I didn't know that any, like, it's it's weird to think about the people who actually created these, like, obscure things you had when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's weird to think that there's, uh, that there's an entire company that every year puts out a Guinness Book of World Records. You're like, man, yeah, that's so whereas, weird. It's, when I was a kid, that was, like, a staple, but now I kind of forget that's a thing until I'm reminded of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you forget it's around just because it's not, like, 
it's not going to be on, you know, a top 10 best sellers book list. It's just always there. Yeah. It's old reliable. It's a little weird. You also played SteamWorld Dig 2. How was that one? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of not enjoying it as much. And the reason is, is I should, I should mention this. Like, I absolutely love the first one. Like, I bought that in 3DS when it first came out. I actually reviewed that for a website I was working for all the time, too. But anyway, um, like, I really love that game. And, of course, I bought it on, like, the Switch. And I bought it on Xbox. I bought the first one on, like, everything it was released on because I love that game. Um, the second one, it, it, it does more, which isn't inherently a bad thing. But I, it almost feels like they're forgetting why some people... I don't want to say everyone likes the game, but there are probably more people like me that my favorite part about the game is the gameplay loop of going down in the mines finding some cool shit to sell, killing some cool enemies or whatever, uh, getting some experience points, uh, exploring a little bit, finding a discovery that prompts me to have to go back up, which was cool because my bag was full of gold and shit anyway. Sell that off, progress the story forward, and then here's the key part. Go back in the mines. Like, I like that gameplay loop a lot. And I don't know how much of this is happening in the second game because I haven't played since this was introduced. But... I already don't like this. I went back up there expecting to go back down in the mines again. And then they were like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Something about an item. Um, you need to go visit these people. And they're to the right of our city. And so it's above ground outside. I need to, like, go across these windy plains and go to this next city to get some assistance. And so I don't want to do all that. I just want to go back in the mines. So. Yeah. Um, Have you tried any of the other SteamWorld games? Heist or Quest? Uh, I haven't tried them, but I remember when uh, Heist came out, and it, it, it looks really interesting, and it looks like it'd be fun. I remember wondering how that would feel to play in a 3DS, because I think that's what it launched on, right? It was 3DS? I actually sure. don't know. I played it on Vita. <laughs> okay, yeah, it'd be a lot more fun to play in the Vita. I didn't have a Vita, because I've almost bought one seven times, and then I have to add the memory card to my car, and then I give up. Because I'm like, I'm not paying that much for memory card. Yeah, Sony really boned themselves on that proprietary memory card. Like, I imagine many more people would have bought the Vita if they didn't. I sold my Vita, and I've been wanting to buy one again, but knowing that I would either have to pay that much for a memory card or have to find one with a memory card, it's just too much. I'm like, nah, I'll just let the game sit on my shelf. I'll just look at them, I guess. I'll play yeah, and it's a shame Persona 4 on my been, PS2. Like, the best handheld ever. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a roommate at the time when the Vita was, like, still doing well and the 3DS was doing, you know, obviously fucking great. And he was telling me how much better the Vita was because how much more powerful it was. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but there's no games. It doesn't matter. So Yeah. Games uh, are I just looked it up because I was curious. Needs. Yeah, this launched uh, on 3DS and then it came out in December 2015. And then it came out on Vita and PS4 uh, summer of 2016. So, um... Yeah, I, I want to play it, but uh, I, 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 it, when, it, when it launched, I was excited, but then I was like, I don't know how that would feel on 3DS. I don't like to play too many non-Nintendo games on 3DS just because it feels like Nintendo knows how to make a game not look like shit and not play like shit on the 3DS. <laughs> and then occasionally everybody else thinks that they can do that too, and then like sometimes they can't. I don't know if I've really played that many games on 3DS. I played Puzzles and Dragons on 3DS, which is Dude, originally game, a mobile game. I never played that, but it looked really cool. Was that game good? 
I'm gonna be honest. I fucking love that shit. It's so good. It's it's weirdly fun. It's basically just like match three puzzles, similar to something like like Candy Crush and stuff like that. But instead of just doing the puzzles, you actually do the puzzles to then uh, use attacks. So if you have, let's say, like a fire dragon out to do fire attacks, you would. Well, actually, you don't have a fire dragon out. You have a team of different dragons and so you want to get like a variety of different types so you'd want to have like a fire a grass a water and then as you actually completed the puzzles these little match three things they would actually get power-ups and they'd get they would actually do attacks but if you get really good combos and you can get multiple of your dragons attacking at the same time they do special attacks it's really cool, and you can evolve your dragons. Um, the The weird thing about the one on 3DS is it introduces like, uh, it introduces a story, which gets really odd because then everything is based on puzzles, and it's super mm. uncomfortable and weird. Like, yeah, puzzle games don't need stories. I don't know why they think they do. They don't. It's okay if there's no story. Yeah, I will say that the one thing that I do like that they added, because I imagine that once... I, I feel like the story is the reason they also added this, because in the standard, like, Puzzles and Dragons formula on your mobile, it's just, you're like, okay, I want to choose a dungeon, I go into the dungeon, I do my attacks or whatever. This actually has somewhat of, like, an overworld that you use, so then it has this really, really nice 16-bit aesthetic. I love that so much, um, but... I feel like that was only included for story purposes, so I guess I somewhat enjoy that they added that, but yeah. That's a random So the Mario version is only on 3DS, but there's like a regular version on iOS and Android. Is, is that one good too? Yeah, that one's just like straight up Puzzles and Dragons. It's kind of weird that they actually released it on 3DS in a like Puzzles and Dragons slash Mario thing i've never actually tried the mario bit i just wanted to play puzzles and dragons but yeah on the phone puzzles and dragons is basically the exact same like you you still it looks get... like a really good mobile game yeah it's a lot of fun and i think it's free hmm. so i'd recommend everybody check it out yeah, i'll have but... to try that i dude I, I like love when there's a game that is built and is optimized and best on mobile i don't like playing like oh this game was not made for phones at all but it's on phones now i don't like playing games like that on phones because I want a game that is perfect for, like, when I'm in the checkout lane or I'm in an elevator. You know, where, like, I can play this for two or three minutes and make progress that matters. Yeah. So I don't yeah. I don't want to play something like, um, I don't know, like, what is that fucking game? Elder Scrolls Blades. I don't want to play stuff like that on my phone. That's not, you know, what I'm trying to play on phones. But, like, Super Mario Run, dude, I replay that every year. The game is so much fun. <laughs> so for me what i've been playing this week are anodyne and anodyne 2 return to dust um by and i don't know how to say these names so just be, bear with me if i butcher them sean han tanny maybe and uh marina kitaka i don't know if that's 100 percent correct i've barely played really any of these games uh, specifically anodyne 2 literally like maybe a couple minutes the the only real thing i have to say about the two is i played a bit of anodyne one maybe 30 minutes to an hour of it it's kind of a zelda like um it's got a nice like top down isometric view it's got a really cool 8-bit aesthetic that i i really enjoy um each one of them i haven't gotten far enough in the first one to actually get to it's like uh, introspection and philosophy because apparently they both get really deep. But literally right off the bat in Anodyne 2, 
it gets really wordy and intellectual in a weird way. And I'm kind of into it. Um, something that is nice about them is they're basically both of these games are just love letters to older games. So Anodyne is obviously a Zelda-like, like I said. But Anodyne 2 mixes between like a 16-bit Game Boy Advance aesthetic, similar to like uh, Pokemon Ruby, like that generation of Pokemon. And it goes to like this polygonal kind of PS1 aesthetic as well that also reminds me of kind of Star Fox at times. It's really odd. Um, I enjoy yeah, I think these them. graphics. I, I pulled it up while you were talking and it reminds me of like, like, like the early, like, like soul reaver. And yeah. like those kinds of early 3d games that like still look kind of jagged. I like that. There's like nostalgia for that kind of like feeling now. Cause I really like how that stuff looks like just because we can make things look realistic. Doesn't mean that's what I want all the time and everything. So yeah. when I play something that looks like this, it's it's like it's ex- it's exciting, it's different, and it and it can also serve alternate purposes too, because it can look if they want it to, it can look like unnerving or evoke different emotions that are easier to hit when the graphics look kind of like uncanny or like off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I can't say that I'd recommend either of these games right now, just because I haven't played enough. But if you do have the money, um, I would recommend possibly checking them out like just go to the steam page and look at them to see if they're your cup of tea because they do actually i bought them for 15 dollars, both of them um i believe it was because of the steam lunar sale but they also just kind of have a bundle between the two of them that's cheaper than buying them each individually so i'd check them out we've actually talked about anodyne 2 return to dust on the podcast before because josh and i both just randomly came across it and thought it was really interesting um i can't say that i enjoy the like the ps1 aesthetic as much but i really really do like the the 16-bit game boy advance stuff plus i think it's really cool that these uh, like it's it's really cool and interesting that these games kind of go into i don't know the like i said how they get really philosophical i think it's really odd but really interesting at the same time Mm -hmm. i I don't know what else I'm going to say about them, but like I said, I didn't get to play too much because I got way too into World of Warcraft. So don't hate me or do <laughs> whatever. I got to ask too, the because I, I just saw a picture of the 16-bit graphics and it, look, it looks really cool. It reminds me of like Golden Sun and shit. Um, I have to ask, uh, what dictates or prompts a change in console graphic styles like is it random or is it like oh you're in the overworld so now it's a ps1 game oh now you're in here so it's like what 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 prompts that change um as far as i've seen i haven't got to the point yet where i can switch between them freely like i said i've only played a couple actual like wait you can do that uh, I don't know. That's what I was going to say is I, I haven't played enough to see if I can do that oh, so that far. Cool. Like I literally had this weird, like really, really wordy conversation. When I say wordy, I mean like it's like talking to fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson and I'm just a little mud man down here, like not understanding how to wipe my own ass. Like it gets really, really deep in an odd way right away. So be prepared for that but yeah do you have this initial conversation you walk forward you attack this enemy for some reason that looks like an egg yolk and they very specifically mean for it to look like an egg yolk and then you go into this different 
kind of like seemingly different dimension where you're 16-bit. So you do it immediately, but I don't know if uh, whether or not like after that initial change, if you can go between the two and how often it happens. But I imagine you do it quite often because it's a main like selling point of this game that you go between the two. So sadly, I can't answer your question because I haven't played enough of it, but... I, I can Dude, this, tell you that this it looks great. Really I, I was quickly. scrolling through the Steam page, and this looks great. It says uh, 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 one of the uh, uh, snippets from Vice's review that they've got on the Steam page says, uh, let's see, a little bit like a super indie, and then it says parenthesis, two people made it, and parenthesis, Breath of the Wild. So, like, that's that's interesting because, yeah, we, we, moved, we moved into these gigantic-ass, you know, RPGs, but, like, they're all, like, 3D and, like, you know, pushing graphics or pushing graphical styles in Zelda's uh, case. And, like, it's it's cool to be like, hey, let's revisit that kind of gameplay mechanic, but like, let's make it look different. And that's, I don't know, that's neat. Um, yeah, this looks really cool. I'm actually going to add this to my wish list. I wish it was on console. I'm like Chris, where I'm kind of a lazy snob and just don't feel like sitting at a desk because I sit at one already for other stuff. But So that's, that's my preference. But I know that you and Josh play a lot of stuff on PC. I would typically normally only play on console, but since because of this podcast, so many new indie games come out on PC that it's mm-hmm. kind of just I, I have to at this point. Like, and I kind of want to transfer to PC just because of that fact. Like, so many indie games come to PC and either never come to consoles or take years to. Like, Hollow Knight didn't release on a console for more than a year. So, and even then, I think that the reason it happened, quote-unquote, was so quick is because they were like, oh, shit, everybody wants this on Switch. Let's do it, you know? Yeah. It yeah. probably would have taken a little bit longer if the Switch didn't have the, like, I hate to use this word, but port bagging going on. You know, I'm sure that probably, you know, prompted them to do it faster. Um, I, I, I really like um, how you also can get them usually a lot earlier and then also, like, a lot less money, too. Like, um what is it, Kentucky Route Zero, that just came out on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, like, yesterday, when the final episode came out, whereas that's been on PC, you know, the whole time as they've been working on it, which I really want to play that game. For, like, five years or something? Yeah. Have you guys guys played that? I really want to play that. No, I haven't. We actually talked about that one, like, the TV edition coming to consoles Mm -hmm. and it releasing its last episode, I believe, last week on the podcast. I don't think either Josh or I have played it, but it does seem really interesting. I saw its art style, and it looks odd, but kind Mm -hmm. of, like, has this minimalist art style, but really, like, a really nice color palette. So, I want to check it out. I just haven't done it yet. Um, For me, it looks like if VVV... VBV, love that game. <laughs> V6, I remember you guys called it that too. To I'm me, too it looks amazing. like it looks like V6 consensually pushed back the hair behind the ear of like Oxenfree. Yeah, yeah. And then Oxenfree reciprocated the feelings and then embraced VBV VBV in a hug. Wow, what an interesting way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I want to play that game too. Maybe we could all try to play that around the same time and like talk about it because that game looks I, I hadn't even heard of it like i'm not going to say an act like i knew what it was i hadn't heard of it until like everybody was like oh man this episode's finally coming out the game's finished i was like what game and then i was reading about it and then i quickly realized oh don't read about this game this is a game i'm going to want to play you know 
even though it's like hard to resist because everyone's, you know, it's kind of like in the cultural zeitgeist, like everybody's talking about it. Yeah, I had literally never heard of it either until this last episode. And I was like, oh, shit, this game looks interesting. Yeah. I, I guess it's been in development for fucking ever. That's cool. Um, but speaking about games in development, it's time for us to get into our news stories. Our first news story is over on IGN. It's written by Matt Kim, and it is Soma and Amnesia devs create an ARG to tease new game. I'm going to be honest, the first time I read this headline and many times after that, I thought they put ARPG. So I thought it was an action role-playing game. It's not. Just to let you know, it's not. Um, Frictional Games, the developers behind terrifying games like Soma and Amnesia The Dark Descent, is teasing its next game. And now the studio kicked off an ARG to begin creeping players out before an official game reveal. An ARG or alternate reality game can be considered a treasure hunt or sort oh, of sorts uh, where internet detectives can follow clues that might lead to some kind of bigger reveal or secret. Fans have already discovered two mysterious YouTube videos that may reveal some things about Frictional Games' next project. So I don't want to read too much of this just because I don't want to ruin this for a lot of people if they wanted to follow it and kind of check it out. But it is quite interesting. I'm a big fan of when like developers or just creative types in general to tease their stuff do this weird shit like these ARGs or like when Shadow of the Colossus initially came out, they had a website that depicted like this fake archaeologist finding the remains of these colossi. I've always found that so interesting, and I think it's cool that, like, a developer is still doing stuff like that. Later down in the article, they actually talk about how this developer had previously done this exact same thing to tease Soma, which I haven't played Soma because I'm going to admit, when you were talking earlier about uh, the Evil Within and everything, I think that might have been... No, that was right when we started the podcast. I don't play horror games. I'm a little bitch. I, I'm not in it to get scared. I'm just in it to have fun. So how do you feel about this? Have you ever like actually participated in ARG or anything like that? Um, I haven't, but I like to watch them because I, 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 like to, I like to watch them unfold and happen. And I like to see people try to figure the stuff out. I'm just not good at figuring it out or... I, like, worry and, like, oh, what if I'm, like, off? I don't know. I just like to watch everybody else do all the heavy lifting, and I just get to enjoy it. Yeah, you, you get know? to see the little puzzle pieces fall into place. Yeah, so I think it's really cool, and it's a really cool way of uh, uh, marketing uh, a game, too. It also it kind of generates, like, uh, a conversation. So I think it's really good marketing. Um, I, I really like horror games, but I, I totally understand getting scared, like, I've tried to play Resident Evil 7, like, so many fucking times, and in VR and outside VR, and, like, oh my fucking gosh, that game is just so... It's 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 really cool that we have technology that lets us create, like, really good first-person horror, because I think that's, like, the future of horror games. Like, I love third-person for horror, too. It works really well, because it can kind of show the character and the environment side-by-side, side, which I think seeing them react to it helps, because then it's, like this is how this is making this person feel. And you're not always going to see that in first person. So I think that there's probably a good hybrid between the two. Um, but I like that first person's possible because it's just really, really immersive. Uh, I've tried playing Soma 
because I, I bought that on sale one time, and I'm going to try it again sometime, but fuck, that game was really intense. Yeah, it's the really only scary. Let's Play I've actually watched, because at the time I was living with some friends, like, kind of couch surfing, and one of the guys was super into Markiplier, so he watched him play Soma, and I was like, this shit's scaring the crap out of me. I don't know if I could watch this. He's a fun Let's Player to watch, too. He's... I've heard that he doesn't actually enjoy to play games outside of doing YouTube videos, though. Which I thought was so interesting. interesting. I'm not going to hold that against him in any way. Like, hey, you make good content. But I just found that so odd. But I guess, like, that's something to worry about. the social aspect of it the most, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I just found that so odd. But, yeah, have you you tried, like, Amnesia? Because you said you haven't done Soma, but um, I've... Only I've watched of Let's Plays of Amnesia because I know I can't play that game. It's just too much. It's <laughs> so intense. But I love it. It's interesting. I love horror stuff. You know, like I love horror movies and TV shows and stuff. Um, I love the uh, games, too. I'm just... There's some games where I'm like, no, that's going to be a Let's Play. Like, I just can't. That's interesting. It's probably going to be Resident Evil 7, honestly. Like, probably. Because I haven't, like, committed to that fully yet. Like, I, right now I still have it in the back of my mind. Like, I'm going to try it again. But honestly... I watched Markiplier actually play the first few hours of Resident Evil 7, uh, like, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I I think that's what I'm going to have to do just because it's just, it's hard for me to enjoy it because of how stressed out I get, which, I mean, it's it's like beyond getting scared. Because I've played games that are just as scarier, scarier. It's just, for whatever reason, the way that Resident Evil 7, like, injects you into the experience... I can't even just say it's first person. It's got to be a culmination of things because I've played other games in first person too, but Resident Evil 7 is just so intense. Um, did you play Resident Evil 2, like the remake of it? I don't. I the only Oh, Resident you don't do Evil horror game, games at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I've played some of the Resident Evil games. Like a friend of mine is a really, really big fan of them. So I played literally like, and this is kind of depressing. I played a little bit of... Uh, Operation Raccoon City, which people fucking despise, and it's hilarious. Um, but other than that, I've played, I would say, a decent amount of Resident Evil 4, but can't really remember it, because I played it when, it when I was a kid and apparently mm. brave enough to do so. But that's actually, I never actually thought about just going in and watching people play these horror games. Like, of that course, might be a good way for you to enjoy it, because the setting and characters and all that stuff's still gonna be interesting to you but it's hard for you to press on yeah i don't have to worry about getting the shit scared out of me like five seconds later in a jump scare or something like that and you have the benefit of being able to hide under a blanket and pause the video yeah that's great yeah you should you you should i think you just changed my life (laughs) that could be a vaughn let's let's what lwlp youtube channel it's watch let's watch let's plays (laughs) yeah and it's you watching people play games that are scary I would watch that. (laughs) Specifically that are scary. Speaking of horrifying things, our next news story is over on GameSpot. It is Plague Inc. sales rise after coronavirus outbreak, but the creator has a warning. Uh, UK studio, and I don't know how to say this, just letting you guys know. um, Nedemic Creations. Maybe. I don't know. It's N, capital N, D-E-M-I-C. That's probably right. Yeah, maybe. Um, Has seen sales of Plague Inc. skyrocket, particularly in China, as players are using the real-time strategy game to gain a better understanding of how diseases spread. This comes from the BBC reports uh, that... 
that there have been 830 confirmed cases of coronavirus, which has killed 26 people in China. I should say I watched uh, I watched Philip DeFranco report on this earlier today, and I think it's actually gone up to over a thousand people have confirmed cases, and I around like 80 something have died because of it. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. I I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of any sort of contagion. Even though I really enjoy zombies, not a fan, dude. That's something that I want to experience through a game and not firsthand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the article goes on to say, uh, the eight-year-old game tasks you with creating and evolving a deadly pathogen that can wipe out humanity before the scientific community are able to devise a cure. Uh, James Vaughn, the creator of Plague Inc., has advertised... Um, advise, not advertise. That would be bad. Uh, advise people to seek out local and global health authorities for information <laughs> on the coronavirus rather than relying on Plague Inc. as a learning tool. Uh, and this is a quote. The coronavirus outbreak in China is deeply concerning, and we've received a lot of questions from players and the media, Vaughn said. Uh, Plague Inc. has been out for eight years now, and whether there is an outbreak or whenever there is an outbreak of disease, we see an increase in players uh, as people seek to find out how disease, uh, how diseases spread and how to understand the complexities of viral outbreaks. Uh, we specifically designed the game to be realistic and informative while not sensationalizing serious real-world issues. Uh, this has been recognized by the CDC and other leading medical organizations around the world. However, please remember that Plague Inc., is a game, not a scientific model, and that the coronavirus is a very real situation which is impacting a huge number of people. Uh, we would also recommend that players get their information directly from local and global health authorities. Uh, the BBC reports that on Wednesday, Plague Inc. became the best-selling app in China with one user of the Chinese social media platform, Weibo, saying the best way to eliminate fear is to look fear straight in the face. This news story is kind of horrifying for multiple reasons. <laughs> it really is, though, because it's like, first of all, everyone's fucking dying. Run. Second of all, some people are looking for some good advice from this video game. Third off, video game developer says, no, we don't know what's going on. Please don't look to us for help. Yeah, they're like, it's not exactly one to one. Just to let you guys know, like, <laughs> we tried to make it accurate, <clears throat> but don't trust it 100%. They're, like, checking that app in the same vein of, like, us checking, like, the news in the morning for the crawl to see if, like, school's closed for the weather. Yeah. They're like, let's see where the virus might be at today. Jesus. This is... The whole... Every time there's an outbreak that, like, starts to wipe out people, the fact that people, they see a spike in this game, like, it's not just, like, I, I don't know if... People might attribute this to being a cultural thing in China. They're like, oh, they learn from video games. That would be a stupid opinion in general. But if you even tried to, the fact that they also included that seemingly whenever there's a viral outbreak, people buy this game more to understand it is so interesting and weird. Like, I, I enjoy it just because of how interesting it is, but also it terrifies me because I'm like, stop. Just stop. Like, I'm not going to say WebMD it, but definitely try to get a more realistic source of information than Plague, Inc. I don't like to go on WebMD because then I find out that I have depression, which I already know, but I don't need to be reminded of it. Yeah, ever since your dad left you, you found out. 
<laughs> but uh, it, Plague, I remember when that was new and people were like playing it and like I remember coworkers recommending it to me and stuff. And I was like, that looks like it'd be fun to play. But I feel like I would either A, obsess over it and play it all the time or B, I would be constantly thinking about how quickly viruses spread, which I don't need to think about. Do you ever think that maybe you're in like an Ender's Game scenario where you are actually creating the next like big virus? I've never thought of that, <laughs> but I have to tell you something that happened really quick about Ender's Game that I forgot about until now. You're good. Go I, for it. I worked for Dish Network back in 2013, and that was when Ender's Game was like out on, I don't remember if it came out in theaters that year, but it was at least out on like pay-per-view and shit that year. I had this old lady call in and she was crying, like crying. Like I thought like, you know, oh, she's got a money thing going on. She needs a bill extension. No, which I mean, I was going to try to help her. But no, it was like (laughs) she was crying because she (laughs) she rented um, Ender's Game and she and she told me repeatedly it's because she loves Harrison Ford. He's great, which every time she said, I'm like, yeah, he's Harrison Ford. He's great. I agree with you. But then she was like, Josh, like she kept using my name. She went, Josh, I don't like sci-fi though. I did not know this was science fiction. I just don't enjoy it. And she's like, like, like half crying. And she's like, I already ordered this movie. I don't have enough money to order a different movie. Can you please help me out? I'm so sorry. I promise as soon as it started and I saw it was sci-fi, I stopped watching. And I'm like, lady, like, of course, you know, it's cool. It's okay. Like, relax. (laughs) Like, I felt so bad for her. I was like, I can fix this for you. But like, I've never heard somebody that upset about ordering a pay-per-view. Because it's sci-fi, let alone the reason that you're so upset is that you just don't like sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, I even tried to be like, it might be good. And she was like, no, I don't like sci-fi. You're like, steer clear of Star Wars, just to let you know it is you're sci-fi. You're going to one of his best, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're going to Yeah, she out. had like that really sweet, like, like sad old lady voice. Like, I just felt so bad for her. But I was also like, man, this lady's devastated over a $6 pay-per-view thing that I can reverse immediately. <laughs> you know, like, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, it's fine. I mean, the most depressing um, part about that is that Ender's Game is actually a good movie. So, she missed yeah, out, dude. I, I enjoyed it, yeah. she. You know what? What if that was what tipped it for her? And then she was like, fuck yeah, sci-fi is great. Yeah, it's, it's also weird to think that the kid who played Ender then went on to play freaking Otis in Sex Education. He's, like, sitting there masturbating all the time and, like, teaching people how to blow each other. He's like, nah, dude, I just wiped out an alien race, like, ten years ago. It was awesome. I haven't seen that yet, but the bathtub wonder himself, Joseph Yaden, was talking about how funny that show is. So I need to check it out. It's fantastic. If you have Netflix, you need to watch it. I'm going to tell you right now, I love that I- show. I love Netflix, and I get very angry whenever anybody says there's nothing to watch on there. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's so much stuff on there. I will say, though, there's something to be said about Netflix's... Uh, okay, so Netflix has the... T- they have polars. They either make really, really good original content or fucking atrocious. And See, and, th- and there's a reason why. I'm actually excited because I know why. Oh, okay. um, I read an article about this. It's because they don't have to make middle-of-the-road content because they're not a channel. So, like, the stuff that's on CBS and Fox and all that, they're generally going to make stuff that no one hates, everyone's at least kind of into, or, or more. Maybe they really like it. But Netflix is making very, very specific content for a very, very specific audience. So, really, it's that, it's, it, that, that's, that's why you either love it or hate it. Because so they're not making anything that, like, oh, Vaughn will kind of like this, but will kind of hate it. They're making a Vaughn TV show 
But then they're also making a Big Josh Boy TV show, and maybe you don't like the Big Josh Boy TV show. I guess I do. I guess the joke's on me because I end up watching these shitty TV shows anyway. Like, freaking, uh, what is it? I recently started watching October Faction, and I was like, this isn't good. But I'm watching <laughs> yeah, but it, then, dude. But then it was like next episode, and you were like, let's do it. Yeah, I'm like this. This has like eight hour long episodes. I'm gonna do it. I watched, that's eight hours of my haters, life. I watched Haters Back Off. Can't say I've watched that? it. <laughs> no, it's not good, but that's why it's good. Like it's so cringy. You know the Office like dinner party episode. Like that's just like the whole like the whole show is just like that. I like how that's your level of cringe, but then there's like uh, Scott's Tots, which is it's literally not I want to bury tots. myself alive. How uncomfortable that makes me. Yeah, we usually skip that on rewatch just because it's too much. So do I. Um, or we'll watch it up until Stanley pulls out the newspaper clipping and just starts laughing his ass off. <laughs> and then we're like, that's the ending of that episode. Stanley being like, fucking finally. <laughs> he saved the clipping. He knew Michael was going to get his ass like burnt roasted and handed to him and he was waiting that show's so good i love it so much yeah i do too we should start an <laughs> office podcast where we just talk about the office i i wish i'm crossing my fingers that kind of funny comes to their senses and does the office in review because that shit will be great uh it would oh have you seen uh have you heard the podcast that jenna fisher has been doing no it's uh isn't it's that so like good. the they do a rewatch and it's the girl who plays yeah. pam and the girl who plays angela yeah, yeah, it's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley. Yeah, they're uh, 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 Pam and um, Angela. Yeah, and like, it's it's like you're getting the stuff, the benefits of a rewatch, which is already like interesting to kind of experience the show again. And then of course, on top of that, they were in it. But then here's where it gets even better. They also will be like, hey, we can tell you how this happened, or you know what, we've actually got the prop manager that we're gonna call, and he's gonna tell you guys how we made this. And like, it's just, you know, you get like behind the scenes shit too. Crap. I gotta listen to that. Yeah. What's it called? You, uh, it's called Office Ladies. It's super good. Damn, that sounds amazing. I I definitely have to listen to it. It's also the weirdest thing ever. And we're get, after I say this, we'll get back to the news stories. But it's the weirdest things ever that Angela and Pam, these like two people who for most of the show hate each other and then eventually become mm-hmm. friends. Spoiler alert, I guess are actually best friends in real life. It makes my skin crawl how weird that is. It is, and like you'll learn this like like as soon as the show starts. But like they were like inseparable, like best friends while shooting, like to the point where like there'd be times where like everyone's waiting to start and they're talking, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> they're those kids in like, class. You're just like, dude, just shut the fuck up. You're gonna get us. Yeah, and then they got to start shooting, and they got to like you know, Pam's got to be called a whore by Angela because you know Angela hates her. So. <laughs> Uh, speaking of hating things, our next news story is over on GameSpot. It's written by Jeremy Winslow. That's a joke, by the way. I feel like I need to, like, kind of back off the Stardew Valley hate because people might actually think I hate this game because its pickaxe animations are weird. I just don't like that. I'm not going to play the game because of that, but I think it's a good game. Just Wait, what don't you, know. you like about it? I don't... Okay, you've never heard this before? I, I must have missed this, 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 uh... Where you talked about this. I refuse to play Stardew Valley, even though I know it's a great game, because the pickaxe animations are weird. Just like choppy, like clippy, like I hate not that they smooth? do it like their arm moves at a weird angle before the pickaxe moves. 
Like it's it's just a weird animation. Okay, it's uh, I I could dig that. That's why I can't play Terraria because the, oh my the animations for Terraria just freak me out. Terraria is like the fucking worst. I also can't play that game either because it legitimately makes me feel uncomfortable. That's why I like uh what is it? I want to say Starbound, but I think it's Skybound. No, it's Starbound. Skybound is the like uh fuck it's like robert kirkman's company yeah um, his publishing company yeah yeah freaking starbound i love that game so much because it has good animations that's like it's it's like hey you wanted to play terraria but this one is sci-fi and has good animations and i'm like Shit, terraria you fucking oh my got god me. like you know when you were like on the playground you'd like swing a jump rope around like with one hand yeah that's what every animation is in that fucking game. They're yeah. just, like, twirling it, and I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Exactly. And everyone's like, you don't understand. It's this little indie game. I'm like, no, there's no reason for it to look like this. Yeah, I, I definitely goof on weird animations a lot, but it I, it legitimately bothers me. I don't know why. Like, small stuff like that can either make or break a game for me. Like, there will be games that I like for the dumbest reasons. Like the reason I legitimately like the Momodora series or specifically Reverie Under the Moonlight is that when you get items, she does like a magical girl pose. And I think that's so fucking cute that I love that game. That's it. I don't but have meanwhile, to Meanwhile, you're like pickaxe animation, bad, will not play the yeah definitive version of Harvest Moon. Yeah, I won't. I'm not going to play that shit. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, you should like try to find a mod. I'm sure there's someone out there that hates it as much as you do, so they've like made a mod that makes the animations look better. Yeah, I'm about to find my people on the internet that just despise yeah. bad animations. Uh, and they just fix it. <laughs> this news article, uh, once again written by Jeremy Winslow over on GameSpot, it is uh, the indie smash hit Stardew Valley has sold over 10 million copies today, according to the game's developer Concerned Ape. Eric Concerndape Barone uh, tweeted a thank you to everyone who has played, downloaded, and supported Stardew Valley in four years, in the four years since its launch. Uh, it's strange and amazing to think that, uh, to think back when I was making this game in my bedroom with no clue if anyone uh, would like it, Barone said, uh, that was four years ago. Um, in four years since the release, Stardew Valley has made its way to just about every platform available. The la uh, the latest, not last, is what is happening right now. Dude, words are tough sometimes. Seriously. I'm, I, like, on my way home from work, I was like, maybe I'm dyslexic. Maybe that's the thing. And then I thought about it and I was like, nah, I'm just stupid. Uh, the latest port of the game launches on iOS or launched on iOS in October 2018 and Android in March 2019. Um, and I'm not going to read about their reviews. That's the biggest thing that throws me off is I, I, I've, I've played that game on Xbox, PC, Switch. I own it in PS4, but I haven't played it on there. I can't imagine playing that game on a tablet or a phone. It just. I just can't, you know, I just don't see how people are, I mean, like, more power to you. I'm glad that people are able to enjoy they don't have a traditional game system. I just, I don't know how that would work comfortably, you know, without buttons. Like, that game yeah. just needs buttons for me. Like, how the user interface works? Yeah. Um, I think the best way to play that would honestly be either Switch um, or PC, because it was, it's going to feel the best on PC, but, like, it's worth it feeling a little bit, quote-unquote, worse on the Switch, because at least it's portable. But at least with a controller, I don't know. I just, I just can't. Like, I want my mother-in-law to play this game because I think she'd really dig it. But like, I'm like, how would that play on an iPad? Would it play like, you know, I don't know. 
But um, have you heard the soundtrack at least? Because I feel like you dig the soundtrack. Um, I've heard it a little it's bit pretty, offhand because a couple people that I work with, like the same friends I was talking about earlier with you, with the Troy Baker thing, um, mm-hmm. those people also like got in a Stardew Valley kick and they were playing it a lot at work. So I've heard some of it, but just not a lot. Yeah. I also, I'm going to say Stardew Valley would totally be my jam if it didn't have those animations. And I'm being 100% serious. It's got romance. It's got slimes. Like, I don't have to just farm. I can do other shit as well. Like, that's that's my thing, dude. I would yeah, be totally a, into it. It's a fun game. Um, I haven't played... I probably played, like, less than 10 hours of it, which, you know, might sound like a lot. But, of course, it's not. But my wife's played, like, a, a lot of it. Like, I've seen her play that on the TV and on the computer and on her, on her Switch and... It's it's fun to watch too, so that might be your solution. Get your fiance into it, and then you can watch her play. And then when when she goes to use the pickaxe, you can curse loudly and stomp out of the room. Yeah, that's the exact same way. I actually have uh, have kind of like actually seen Animal Crossing and all. Like I I bought my fiance. Um, I bought her a. 2ds and i bought her animal crossing new leaf so that she could play it and she played it for a while and i kind of enjoyed watching it but i'm gonna be honest not an animal crossing fan oh wait 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 did if i, I think i'm remembering correctly didn't what it was it was it, she didn't like it because of the uh time right yeah i was about to say that the, it pissed her off that when she wanted to play all the shops were closed and i was like just change your in-game clock and she refused to yeah, I I was actually laughing at work because Josh went, she could change her clock, and you went, she doesn't want to, that's cheating, and Josh was like, well, I guess she doesn't get to play it then, and you're like, she's not. <laughs> like, it was just really funny how you guys go through that issue together and be like, well, okay, case closed, I guess she can't play it. Yeah, she's yeah, just okay with it. I don't know if this will help, but after, I wish I could remember, but it's been so long since I played it, but um, there's a thing, an ordinance, you can do town ordinances with that game. Uh, after you're after after a little while, like probably within 20, 30 hours, which might sound like a while, but you get more power as you're the mayor, and you're able to do town ordinances. And two of the ordinances affect the shops and stuff. One of them is like an early bird one, where it'll make it so they open up earlier, and then one of them is where they open up later. Um, so that might potentially be a solution without her feeling like quote unquote like she's cheating and like playing it wrong. Yeah, but at the same time, if she's just not digging it, then I don't want to, you know, encourage her to play games she's not enjoying. But maybe the uh, Switch version will be more tuned to criticisms, and I'm sure that's I'm sure that's a criticism because like none of us have enough time, and this game's based around time. So maybe the Switch will have a more natural and agreeable way to kind of tackle that. Maybe she'll like that version. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on to our last news story for today. Before we hop into news cram, talk about a weird ass game on Kickstarter. Like seriously, I'm gonna joke on this game so hard. I'm gonna burn this dude. I'm sorry, but it's it's almost necessary at this point how egregious this Kickstarter is. And then we're gonna talk about some awesome random news stories. Uh, this last news story 
or not news story, fuck, questions, not not random news stories, random questions. Uh, this last news story is over on GameSpot. It is also written by Jeremy Winslow, and it is Resogun Matterfall Dev Housemark teases its next project. Uh, the Finnish studio Housemark, perhaps best known for the PlayStation 4 launch exclusive Resogun, has announced that it is shifting its focus toward a brand new title. This means all current projects, including the in-development Battle Royale Storm Divers, will be placed on hold while the the studio works on its most ambitious ambitious uh ambitious and biggest game to date housemark ceo and i don't know how to say this name either so just bear with me uh ilari katinian maybe i don't know uh penned a blog post sharing the announcement where he also confirmed that its unnamed project is being supported uh but an equally what yeah, supported by an equally unnamed partner uh, in the post it, uh, in which he celebrated Housemark's 25th anniversary. Um, Katinin said more will be revealed but uh, about this game soon. Um, I don't know if I... Yeah, I'll go into the quotes. Um, our team of almost 80 people is comprised of talented, smart, and hardworking individuals um, from all around the world. And it has been invigorating and inspiring to see how this game concept has turned into reality as more and more ideas have formed the basis of a truly incredible project. Katinin said, I'm... Okay, eventually I want to like put... We're going to do this live, and I'm going to put in a kind of a you're wrong section, and all of them, I swear to God, are going to be me pronouncing names wrong. It's definitely <laughs> going to be that way. Um, despite, I have trouble with names, too, though. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's especially hard when they're names from, like, different cultures, because I know, like, in Japanese, people recommend that you only read two letters at a time. So it makes it a lot easier, and you actually get the pronunciation somewhat correct. But Finnish, no fucking idea. I don't know what the. I also get stressed is. out because I don't want somebody to think that like I don't care. When really, it's not that I don't care. It's that I just don't know how to pronounce. Yeah. You know, your name correctly. I wish I knew how. I'm not doing it because I am not trying. Yeah, I you know? I need to just I, like I want to put a spotlight on specific devs, but eventually I feel like I'm just gonna have to stop saying people's names because I'm so bad at it. Just be like this developer and everybody that works there, and then, <laughs> then keep talking. Just give them a blanket statement. Uh, so yeah. this developer specifically said, despite not knowing if we would even get past the initial stages of pre-production, we have now spent almost three years working on this game, and now we are in full-scale production and super excited to reveal more in the coming months. Um, much remains unknown. Yeah, I'm not going to really go into that. Are you a Housemark fan at all? Have you played like Resogun, Matterfall, uh, Next Machina, any of those? I haven't played any of their games, no. Um, but uh, I've heard of, um, what's it called? Uh, Matterfall, and I heard that wasn't very good. But that's the only one that I've really heard of. Really? I uh, I wanted, I really wanted to get Next Machina. It was kind of like, uh, it's an isometric shooter. Um, but it's very, very fast-paced and very arcadey. Uh, I guess I probably should have read the last portion of that article, but to summarize, it actually says that Housemark is now, like, they've decided to move away from arcadey games because they're just not selling well. And they, I think their specific quote is that arcade is dead, which obviously I don't think they meant that literally because, of course, there are games that work really well that are arcadey games, like Killer Queen Black. Um, 
That game is so much fun. Yeah, we actually have kind of a quick news story about that a little bit later, which I think will make it even more fun. But, yeah, it makes me really wonder what this next game is going to be because they are known for making really, really arcadey games. And then they went and made, like, or they started to make a Battle Royale game, Storm Divers, and now it's like they're making this, I'm assuming, completely different game. And I'm actually really, really stoked to see what it is because I I have no idea. Like this isn't something that I think anybody could actually predict what House Mark is going to do next because there's no precedent for what this next game is going to be because they're not going to make any more arcade games. So I guess we'll see. This is exciting. Yeah. Would you like to take a break before we get into news cram, or you just want to get crammed? Um. Yeah, I think a break would probably be good. That way I could prepare to be crammed. Okay, cool. And you can think of a cram thing. Because apparently people need to think about it beforehand. Unless you don't want to do it, and then you don't have to. (laughs) I just want Jar Jar Binks to yell it. Really? I don't think I could... I I mean, maybe we'll have to get Chris on here since he's good at impressions. I don't think I could do a Jar Jar Binks thing. I like Chris's cowboy voice. He's very good at the cowboy voice. He sounds like a rugged American yeah. without insurance, even though he's a Canadian with insurance. The in- With insurance. The interesting thing about his cowboy voice is he nails down certain things, but then he says words that no American cowboy would do because he's British. Yeah, he's like saying words that I've never even heard of, but he sounds really gruff and American. Yeah, he'd pop in in it, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Like we got some trouble here, ain't or in, in it, boys? And it's like Chris Cowboys don't don't talk like that. <laughs> You're like you got me ninety percent there, but then tripped and fell. Or down he's a like, cliff. or he's like, hand over the spotted dick, and no one gets hurt. And we're like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, spotted dick, it's a kind of bread pudding. And we're like, Chris, we don't, <laughs> we don't eat spotted dick over here. You're like, if and anything, like, that sounds horrific. I don't know why. Yeah, then he's like, it. oh, all right. Well, then hand over the French fries. And we're like, okay, Chris, we got to talk about time periods and <laughs> cooking. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to get crammed, talk about a horrendous game on Kickstarter, and some random questions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, now that we're back, let's hop into news cram. Feel free to do your cram thing if you want. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Oh, I was hoping Josh was going to show up. I took my pants off because I've been wearing pants all day. Oh, okay. So, I thought maybe he would show up and cram me full of news. Oh, no. Sadly, he will not. He is, like, across the state from where he normally... And that's not even the state. He's across the country from where he normally would be. Otherwise, Mm. that would be a great bit for him to pop up just to do the news cram thing. Just to cram us so hard. Yeah, just to cram you full of all sorts of news. Yeah. (laughs) News. 
All right, let's hop into news grab. Uh, this is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts and guests of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, foo- <laughs> fuck, I hate that I write this in such a weird way, uh, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, we actually have a couple indie games, or quick news stories for you. We have four to be exact. Before we hop into some new de- or new stuff, there are no new deals and quick steals this week. Um, there was one that I was going to put in there, but I was like, actually, this is a more depressing story. So I'm just going to do it in quick news stories. Um, so our first quick news story comes by way of GameSpot, where it's reported that indie monster tamer Temtem is sitting at a comfy number one spot on Steam with some hefty concurrent players. Um, the actual article, I think, talks about how its concurrent players at its peak were like 33,000. That's crazy, especially for an indie monster tamer. Um Next, over on Polygon, it's reported that Blooper Team, the developers behind Observer and more recently Blair Witch, just teased a possible sequel to Observer in a short video titled Incoming Call. Uh, next, as reported by Nintendo Life, developer Milkbag Games uh, has drastically reduced the price of their game Future Grind a full 85% to be precise. Uh, this due to poor sales on the Nintendo Switch and other platforms. Nevertheless, the developer did say that the Nintendo Switch version of the game was by far the best selling compared to other platforms. And lastly, also reported by Nintendo Life, indie adventure game To the Moon from developer Freeboard Games has been removed from the Nintendo Switch eShop in Europe specifically. Uh, sadly, at the time of this recording, no further details or updates have been given. Um, that really sucks, especially because I've heard that game is fantastic. Uh, I mean, in a way, it's lucky that it's sequestered to Europe, this problem, but it's also unlucky for anybody who wanted to play it. Um, now, on to our new stuff. Our first. That was a fucking fast news cram. Yeah, yeah, it goes pretty That quickly. was really fast. We got to get faster at our quick news and act quest because that was. I was impressed how quickly you moved through all that. It also. Also, I want to play writing. To the Moon so bad. <laughs> you what? I want to play To the Moon so bad. I, like, it just looks so much fun. I've heard it's amazing. I have kind of, like, I enjoy adventure games, but they remind me so much of Pajama Sam that I have a problem with them. It's also the same reason I haven't played through the entirety of Oxenfree or After Party yet. The only adventure oh, games... Oh, dude, Oxenfree is so good. Yeah, I've played a bit of it. It's also because it's spooky. Like, that's also a mm -hmm. reason I haven't finished it. But um, the only adventure games I say I have played are, like, I played The Wolf Among Us, which I really, really loved. It actually got me into the really? Fables comic series so stoked mm -hmm. for the wolf among us too um did you play um oh fuck what's it called what remains of edith finch that's one of my favorites from that genre no huh -uh. i haven't played any of like the um vanishing of ethan carter what remains of edith finch unfinished swan i haven't played any of those yet i i actually went to go listen to your guys's quest complete which is on what remains of edith finch and then i realized mm -hmm. like halfway through that i was like shit I'm probably going to play this game. I should probably stop listening, but I continued to listen, so don't worry. You got that listen. <laughs> oh, did you? You had it spoiled for you then? No, I, I listened to a decent amount of it, but I didn't okay. listen all the way to the end because I was like, Gotcha. Okay. It's probably where some shit's going to go down. So. <clears throat> yeah, you should definitely play it when you can. You might even already have it because it was free on the Epic Store last year. Yeah, it's been free on multiple different stores. Yeah, it's, so. it's good. I think you'd like it. It's like a three hour game, like tops. Oh, so sweet. It'd be a fun. Yeah. 
Um, now let's get into some new stuff. Our first three items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that that nightmare-inducing aquatic action-adventure game, and that's a lot of adjectives, by the way. I did that on purpose, especially because it's nightmare-inducing, because this game scares the <laughs> shit out of me. Uh, Sparkle, <laughs> it's Sparkle, four tales from developer MMEU, is headed to the Nintendo Switch on January 30th and will be listed for a mere $9.99. Uh, that 2D fighter rivals of Ethan their definitive edition by developer Dan Fornitz, I think, uh, will be headed to the Nintendo Switch sometime this summer. And lastly, that action-adventure game The Tourist by developer, and I'm totally going to butcher this one too, uh, Shinnan Multimedia uh, now has a free demo on the Nintendo Switch eShop. Now over to Polygon, uh, where it's reported that CRPG Disco Elysium by developer ZA-UM, because I don't know how to say that, is getting a new update that includes features such as uh, a new hardcore mode and more. Um, Now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that developer Moon Studios announced that their much-anticipated sequel to Metroidvania, Ori and the Blind Forest, Ori and the Will of the Wisps has officially gone gold. I'm super stoked about that, especially because of the like weird nonchalant delay that happened, putting it from, I believe, uh, February into March. I'm super stoked to play that game. It looks great. Uh, and to round out the group over on GameSpot, it's reported that adventure game Kentucky Route Zero by developers Cardboard Games is getting a physical release of both the game and a special vinyl soundtrack on IamABit.com. Action adventure game Knights and Bikes by developer Foam Sword is coming to Nintendo Switch on February 6th. And lastly, uh, that 2D action game Killer Queen Black by developer Liquid Bit uh, just released a much-anticipated update that will now allow up to eight player local co-op play on both pc and the nintendo switch so that's the way to play that game too that game is so much fun and i haven't played it locally but like i know it'd be more fun because it would just be really frantic and i don't know i think that the game has the potential to be like overcooked levels of fun if you're playing in the same room have you ever had the chance to play it in the arcade cabinet i haven't but i read a polygon article talking about when they you like when they were they were talking about how it was playing on the cabinet and i was like man that sounds like it'd be so much fun i wish arcades were still like prominent like when we were younger yeah me too i'm gonna be honest i like i worked at an arcade but it had totally dick games like they were just bad basically ways to get like they're the ticket games where you put in Mm, like a coin to get tickets and shit basically just a money grab if i'm being honest but I've always wanted to check out more. There's a place where I live called, like, I think it's called Grinkers that is a, like, a nickel arcade that has, like, arcade games, but I've never been there yet. From what I've heard, I don't know necessarily if they have really, really, like, cool arcade games, but the one arcade cabinet that I want to play so bad is the Enter the Gungeon arcade cabinet because I think light gun games are so fucking cool. But I I don't know if necessarily, like, any place close to me will get one. Like, I want... I really wanted to have some sort of justification for that $5,000 cabinet so badly. But I... I want to play the Halo one, too. It looks really fun. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I've heard Dave and Buster's has a lot... Has the Halo one. So, I... You know what would be really cool is if they'd bring back, like, Resident Evil Survivor, but as, like, a really good, like, light gun... I mean, you know, make a new game. I don't mean just put that in an arcade. But, like, another one of those... Or like the Umbrella Chronicles, those games are sweet on the the Wii and PS3. Yeah, I 
I adore light gun games. I think they're super cool. Uh, but now that we're through all the news, it's about time we give back to the developers in our next segment, God Bless the Crowd. This is where, on occasion, most of the time, Big Josh Boy finds a game on Kickstarter or other crowdfunding sites this week, you'll realize that uh, he did not choose it. I chose it because I chose a fucking weird one. This one is called Cretaceous Seas uh, Ayla's Story. It is a traditionally hand-animated video game packed full of action, adventure, and vore. These developers are currently looking for $22,000. That is their goal. Uh, They... At the time of this recording, have $10,429 with 153 backers and 18 days left to go. Now, this game does not look good because there is no game in this Kickstarter so far. The story, like the actual trailer itself, is just a bunch of anime girls with big boobies either running with just outrageous jiggle physics. Like the best I've ever seen, really. Or getting eaten by mysterious monsters, which is, I'm assuming, a fetish, but it is weird. It's okay. So, the first thing I want to bring attention to is, uh, as you said, $10,429 is what they have so far. If you scroll down, uh, let, me, let me find it again. Okay. There is a tier that is $3,500 or more, and one person backed it at that level. Yeah, those always blow my so mind. That, mean, when that means that out of that, that $10,000, at least, at least like, you know, 20, like, I, I can't do math. Math's hard, but not half, not a quarter, somewhere in the middle. We'll just call it a third. Is like Came from, from one, one person. person? That's fucking crazy. Uh, also, I don't know why, but this game, it just looks like people sitting in like a junior high classroom were just like man you know what we should do we should make this game where there's this girl and she's got boobs and she fights the dinosaurs and like it just seems like like seven preteens talking about what kind of game they want to make yeah we have yet to actually say that this woman is topless not like not naked she's just hapless it's just boobies everywhere this is cretaceous sees a-list stories is a 2d R-rated adventure platformer game set in a mythical world full of dinosaurs, magic, and primal dangers coming out for Windows and Mac. I also love that a large portion of this Kickstarter is not only just like pictures of her topless, which I feel like is 90% of the reason that people actually backed this. Like that person who did the 3,000 things to make a monster, I bet that's going to be like a tentacle porn thing. It's going to be somebody with penis hands. Like, it's going to be weird. I'm telling you right now. But, dude, if money were no object, I would totally throw 3500 at this and put your name down because <laughs> then you could work with him to develop a custom creature. Yeah, and I make and penis then you hands. Could, and I love this phrasing. It says it will need to fit into the story setting, but otherwise there are a lot of possibilities. I would be like... It's almost like he's saying penis tentacle monster and like winking at you, you know? Yeah, I feel like if anyone, like, if you choose that tier... You paid him $3,000, and he's like, I don't think that fits the narrative. You're like, mythical world full of dinosaurs and magic. You're telling me there's not a dude in this world that found out he could do magic and gave himself 10 penises? I don't it's think... It's Jeff Goldblum, but his head is on the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, and it's short little stubby arms or just penises. Yeah, basically. that I. That's That's the character. I would not be surprised if that showed up in this game especially since there are multiple gifs 
of her just going around nude in this. There's one of her doing a full 360 in kind of a, a pose that definitely accentuates so her butt. There's another one of her just running, showing off those jiggle physics with her nipples censored. There's this weird plan. With weird, like, sunglass smiling emojis covering up her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a whole part of the Kickstarter that I say, that I would say it takes up like a full, I would say 20% of this Kickstarter that's just about animating all the sprites for Ayla and the various creatures is the initial production push uh putting character animations front and center as one of the game's top priorities uh here are just some of the types of dangers Ayla will encounter and it's t-rexes raptors carnivorous plants giant crocodiles feast uh fierce terror pterosaurs um enormous snakes monstrous lizards prehistoric worms quicksand and you definitely know 90% of those she's going to be eaten by them like this person obviously enjoys hot chicks being consumed by weird shit like it's just, i just need to go take a shower like just reading all these like stretch goals like okay right here $80,000 it says you like me you really like me get increased production speed by expanding the creative development team are you going to hire more people? What does that mean? And then also, $100,000 <laughs> at this budget, the game can be reach the full creative scope envisioned for it. So here's the other thing. I kind of wish I had 100k just laying around that I could throw at this game because I am actually kind of afraid. Like what is the full creative scope envisioned for this game? Like what what are you wanting to do that you can't do? Yeah, I will say the the one saving grace of this game that I'm going to be honest like there's a lot to goof on about this game and this Kickstarter in general, but I do actually think the art and animations are very good. Like that's yeah, the the main menu screen looks cool. Yeah, this stuff looks really good. Like this person is a legitimately good artist. The stuff he is choosing they're, to make, yeah. weird, but they're talented, but they're also really horny and they don't have an outlet. Yeah, I've been listening to like Greg's Comic Book Club. Um, I subscribed to Patreon to make sure that I got Greg's Comic Book Club. If you guys are kind of funny fans, I would recommend it. Um, but he talks about, like, he on occasion will have comic book, like, artists on there. And he's like, so is the reason you became an artist to draw people fucking and, like, naked people? And they're all pretty much like, yeah, I feel like that's 100% of artists. 100% just across the board, not just comics artists. Everybody just wants to draw people fucking or naked. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm cool with it. I mean, well, I get it. <laughs> we've got 18 days to go as as of the recording and this game only needs like let's see. It only needs like $12,000. like yeah, it needs like 12,000 more dollars. So, listen, if we could have let's see, let me go down here. Okay, so there's the $5,000 tier and that's get you an executive producer credit and you can make a major contribution to the game development with this serious cash infusion and be credited in production as an executive producer. So if we could have like three people do that, then this game's gonna be at $25,000 plus. So then not only is it funded, but $25,000 level says overall gameplay, animations, level designs will be more polished, leading to increased overall quality. So, so we just seen three listeners to throw $5,000 at this game. And then they'll have better boobs. Okay, yes. when this game, if this game comes out and when it does, <laughs> how many of the girls do you think will be topless? All of them? I think it's all of them. I think all of them and probably the dinosaurs too. 
I think that um, men are fully clothed made, and the rest of everybody like are topless. Even the dinosaur is like, oh, that that's a boy dinosaur. You can tell because he's got a shirt on. He's wearing the fucking snowsuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this game comes out, I'm going to tell Chris to ask for a review code so that Chris can review this. There's... Because I want this to be reviewed by Active Quest, but I don't want to play it. <laughs> you don't want to feel that uncomfortable? You're like, Joseph, no. he's he's the big shot with IGN right now. He can't have this stain on yeah, his he record. Can't, he can't put the stain on his, his... Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to feel uncomfortable, but you're just like, Chris, do it. <laughs> I want like, to know how bad Canadian. it is. Canadian. Just play this game. It's fine. Nobody's going to get at you. It's fine. It's like... And I'm not... I'm. I'm not saying no do this, but if you could somehow get a subverse review code, give it to Chris. Do you know what subverse is? No. We talked about this in God Bless the Crowd when it had a Kickstarter game, when it had a Kickstarter campaign. It's a sex game. Subverse? It's, yeah, it's called subverse. It's a sex game. And one of the main things oh is God, about... Oh, my God, this looks terrible. Yeah, is about having sex, but it's also a video game. It's not like a what sex game, like, oh, you'd go on Pornhub and look up, like, the fucking Hogarth from the Iron Giant for some reason banging his mom, but it's a game. <laughs> no, this is, like, an, a fucking... Like, it's a turn-based strategy game, and it's so weird. <laughs> That's, this is terrible. I'm messing this tab out forever. Um. Also... I have mad respect that you just dropped a Hogarth reference from the Iron Giant in the middle of the podcast. I love That's the great. Iron Giant. It's a good movie. Brad Bird, bro. Brad Bird. I've thought about naming my child Hogarth. My fiance won't let me do it. I know she won't, but Hogarth, that's a great name, and I love the Iron Giant. <laughs> it's just, it's a good name, but every single time someone's going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, what? And he's going to have to spell his name all the time. Yeah, or the people call him And then him his Hoagie. friends can't just cut his name in half because they're going to call him, they're, let's call him like Hoagie. Yeah, Hoagie or something. And See, I'd be cool with Hoagie. And everyone's just going to start calling him Don Vito, like the, the big the big boy from uh, Viva La Bam. <laughs> I would be okay with Hoagie, but I would not be okay with Garth. I hate the name Garth. Yeah, I Stupid. don't like that name either. It just sounds dirty. Like not. I like Garth from uh, what's it called? Uh, guitar two? Boys. Uh, <laughs> no, not Guitar Boys. What's the Guitar Boys? Um, Wayne's World. Yeah, I like I like the character Garth, but I don't like that name. Yeah, but that's what I imagine a Garth looks like. And I don't want my kid to look like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean that's that's fair. I mean the hair alone for Garth is. Uh, yeah, I don't want my kid to yeah. look like fucking the master of disguise. Like, are you turtly enough for the okay. turtle club? Yeah. And the answer was no, I was not turtly enough and I didn't get to watch the movie. <laughs> uh, so now that we're done goofing this Kickstarter, if you guys are looking for a 2d magic infused topless romp, come back this game. It's called Cretaceous seas. Uh, Ayla's story It's very easy to find on Kickstarter. I found it very quickly and it made me do the Pikachu meme, and I'm not joking. I sat there at my computer with my, like, just open mouth for, like, five minutes. What's that says about me? I'm a pervy dude. I bring up hentai a lot. Like, that's cool. Whatever. It doesn't matter. What you're into is what you're into. But, yeah, I was, I was like, I don't want to say appalled, but I was slack-jawed at this game. I was like, what the fuck? 
You like put a sticky note up that says, I'm frozen because I don't know what to say. I'm not going to back this game. Don't worry. <laughs> um, also, did you hear the tangent we ended up on on Active Quest last week because of your question? Uh, have you not seen my tweet yet that was like, no, here's my new question for this episode. P.S. <laughs> thanks for blaming me for tentacle porn, you assholes. <laughs> I think Joseph or Chris did say, actually, that wasn't Vaughn. Vaughn just asked yeah. about, you know, what I, I don't even remember what you asked about. Because I, I literally just asked if there was a Witcher anime, which I... That's right. That's right. You said if there was a sex scene in the Witcher anime, would it be hentai? Yeah. So I, I do want to preface this with saying there... I wanted to say this so many times while you guys were recording. And I... I I'm surprised nobody has done this because apparently there's a real issue with you saying that something is anime when you mean animated because anime is specifically Japanese animation stuff that's made Mm -hmm. in Japan because like if you think Avatar the Last Airbender is anime many people would vehemently disagree with you it is not anime you want to make somebody really mad? Tell them that your favorite anime is Totally Spies. Uh, yeah. From Maguzi and Cartoon Network, they will get very upset. I actually liked that show. Totally Spies. It's not is anime, <laughs> but it will make people really mad. It was basically just like Charlie's Angels, but like not pervy and weird, and it was like doing superhero stuff. That's what I remember from it. But I anyway, like how you're like not yeah. pervy and weird, but they were basically in like skin tight bodysuits, <laughs> like. I'm surprised they didn't draw nipples. <laughs> well, they weren't making uh, Cretaceous Seas. Yeah, that's they true. They were just doing Cartoon Network. You know what? I, I actually do want this these people that are making Dinosaur Boob Game. I want them to use their, their, their drawing for good, though, because they, they you're right. They were good at drawing. Yeah, it's fantastic art. But That's why when we when I first pulled the link up, I went, oh, this looks good. You went, yeah? <laughs> and I went, wait, what? And then you're like, just, just play the video. <laughs> yeah, the video... Everyone who goes to this Kickstarter, which I will post a link on the Twitter. I'm trying to be really good about that. Play the video. It is the worst advertisement for a Kickstarter game I've ever seen. And I goof on the cow game a lot. Game quality aside, they don't even show game Yeah, there's, they stuff. literally, the only bit of the game they show is the start menu at the end of the video. The rest is 2D and 3D models. Of girls getting eaten by pythons and shit. It's so weird. It's, it's just it's just a, a, a call and a plea for help saying, please give us money so we can keep making these animations. We're going to build a game around it too, but we really got to make these animations. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, I, I hope that gets made because it's just fantastic. Uh, now on to some random questions. Our first random questions is, or question, question, not questions, uh, is from John Moore, the founder of Parallax Media. Make sure you check him out. Parallaxmedia.one, I believe, is still the URL. Check it out. Um, he writes, Is anyone going to play Dauntless with me? The new Aetherpunk season looks cool. So, the first ever... I'm going to go first because my answer is kind of <laughs> shitty. I forgot Dauntless was a thing. Really? I think Dauntless is so And I'm not so even cool. trying to talk trash. It looks cool. I just It got buried, you know, because so many things are coming out all the time. I remember when it was announced and it looked cool and, it, and then it came out, but I just, I haven't played it yet, but it looks Yeah, fun. there is something to be said about it being free though. You could just play it and it's cross play. So 
you're on Xbox, I'm on PlayStation, fucking John's on PC or whatever. We could all play together, and we have, actually. The only thing that I don't like about Dauntless is actually its chat in-game is really not cool because when you go into loading screens, you actually, like, all of your chat cuts out. You can't hear each other until you get into the match or back into the world hub. The... But that's the time I need to talk to you guys the most. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so weird. It's like, hey, before this loads back up, here's our plan. Yeah, exactly. So that's the one issue I really have with the game. The rest of it is really, really fun. And I guess initially at the launch of the game, it had really, really bad, like, server clutter. So you would get into, Mm -hmm. like, I literally have a picture on my phone. It's saying that I have, like, over a thousand minutes until I can get into the game. And I was like, nah. And then I'd close out, and somehow it'd be, like, I'd be, like, 30 minutes. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. But, John, I'll play Dauntless with you, dude. I will fucking play that game. The repeaters are so cool. I love them so much. The world being Monster Hunter slash Bastion is so awesome. I love the art style. I'll play it with you, big boy. We're already friends on PlayStation. I'm surprised we haven't played again. I heard you, was it last episode, where you said that you, they said that the art style was inspired by Bastion? Yeah, the, the like, world design was inspired by both Monster Hunter and Bastion. Yeah, how it's actually taken apart. Plus, I believe the main hub of it is actually, no, it's not called the Bastion. It's called Ramsgate, I believe. But, because I was mixing it up with Bastion for a second. But, yeah, it basically is, like, this fractured earth. Or not Earth specifically, but it's a fractured world with all of these different islands and stuff. So it's like exactly like Bastion, but with a Monster Hunter mm. twist where you just go in and kill one monster. It's very cool. And I think the actual... Um, this is something I didn't talk about with Temtem either, but not to say that Monster Hunter has kind of like lost ideas with how to make armor out of the monsters, but... I believe I think that Dauntless does kind of the armor out of monster materials a little bit better because I feel like they're a little bit more creative with it. The same way that I think that Temtem's monster, like their their actual like designs for monsters, I think are much more like inventive than Game Freak's Pokemon. But I've also prefaced that with saying that of course Temtem hasn't been making fucking the Temtem for over 20 years. So it totally makes sense that they have all of this creative juice to make a slime dragon that I think is so fucking cool and not a dishwasher. I was really frustrated when they kept making more Pokemon, which I know might sound weird to people that have, you know, maybe weren't around Pokemon was new. Like, you know, maybe, but I mean, it was like, it came out when I was like, you know, a kid. And so I was like fully invested in it. And I remember when, how confusing it was when it was like, they're making more Pokemon? And then they just kept doing it every generation. Because I remember thinking, like, they don't need to make more. They could just keep making more places for us to explore and catch these guys. Yeah. And then we kind of ran into the issue of the uh, Pokemon being, like, based off of things that were based in some kind of semblance of reality or what I like to call not stupid shit. (laughs) So... We went from having, like, Charmander and, like, Psyduck. And to be fair, I'm going to name off Pokemon that are bad from Gen 1, so I don't seem like I'm being biased. Mr. Mime and Jinx. I mean, there's Magnemite, Voltorb. There was bad Pokemon back then, too. But I just feel like the numbers increased. Now we've got fucking, like, Possessed Keys and, like, Garbodor. Yeah, I was going to say just, fucking Trubbish. Stupid <laughs> shit. Like, stop. <laughs> Go back to... Because, like, even Gen 3 had some cool creative... Like, I like Shroomish. 
I like, love cool Shroomish. Pokemon. Shroomish is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's grumpy and chill. But, like, for some reason, they just, like, I don't know. They're just like, uh, what if this printer could talk? Yeah, what if this sandcastle ate Pokemon? Which I will say, Sandy Gast, so creepy. It's fucking terrible. That's a real Pokemon? Yeah. I'm fucking done. It's a possessed sandcastle that eats Pokemon and human beings. And That's makes, horrifying, and I love it. Yeah, and it. it makes them into more Sandy Gasts. It sounds like the villain from a Stephen King book where he didn't try, and I'm in. Yeah, it's creepy as shit. Uh, but to answer your question once again, John, I'll play Dauntless with you, Josh. You should play some Dauntless, dude. We'll all get together. Yeah, dude, I'll download it. We'll have to play some time. It looks cool. I'm down. Yeah, Merc these behemoths. Uh, now on to Chris Penwell of at that their active quest. He writes in and says, what's the weirdest thing you're into? I'm going to let you go first. What is the weirdest thing okay. you're into? So I wanted to make sure I thought of something that Chris doesn't know about me. Really? Because I've known You're Chris for a few years. You're not going to just say yeah. Xbox Game Pass? Dude, I should have. I should like, you know, I just really like Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> um, Oh, dude, speaking of Game Pass, I'm hoping that Kentucky Route Zero goes to Game Pass. I would be surprised if okay. it didn't. You know, I counted this morning because I was curious. Uh, there are over uh, 70 indie games on Xbox Game Pass, and I think that's super fucking cool. I need to get it, especially because new games like uh, Outer Wilds came to Game Pass before it even came to... Well, it came to Xbox, but it came to Game Pass before it even came to PlayStation, So, and that's where I played mm-hmm. it. So not only would I get to play it earlier if I wanted to play it on a console, but I get it for a great value. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But go on. Also, I heard you ask Chris if we were sponsored by Game Pass. I wish we Yeah, were. I heard you on the episode right before we recorded that episode where you're like, I wish. That'd be great. And I'm like, the only <laughs> thing that would suck about that is it's a conflict of interest. So if something sucks. They don't sucked, even got to pay me, though. Ah, that's a good point. I'll just talk about what I'm playing, whether I like it or not, in my free subscription. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah. They just. I'll still be like, this game's trash. This game's great. I'll, I'll be honest, though. Ah, that's a good way to do it. But, okay, so yeah, uh, weirdest thing. Things I'm into so I thought really hard about this um okay so I've got like three things here uh probably the weirdest thing that no one would know is I like organizing physical media by color Whoa. I think that it looks really cool when books on a bookcase it works the best with books because blu-rays and games all kind of follow a pretty similar you know looking sh- color scheme scheme scheme, scheme. That's a, that's a weird word. So, like, our books, people are like, oh, my God, these are out of order. No, like, I like how that looks. Look how that goes from, like, a bright yellow to, like, oh, look, now the books are black and red. I don't know. I like that. You have, like, all the um, Aragon series, but you're like, I've got Aragon here because it's blue, and then Eldest is down here because it's red. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then I also, uh, kind of piggybacking off that, I really like uh, um, organizing stuff. I don't know what it is, but just, like, Oh, no, everything fell off the shelf. I guess I get to put it back. I get some sort of satisfaction from that. Probably because I can't control my own life, but I can control physical objects on a shelf. Um, And then let me see. What else did I write down? I've got... Okay, I wrote... I'm also into sitting on the floor in a single-slash-family bathroom and taking deep breaths and crying if I'm overwhelmed or upset. (laughs) Basically, average stuff for my age and stuff. Did you write that down? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i got that i got my notes right here yeah so sometimes you know you just go into like a like a like a like a single-use bathroom and you just sit there you just you just cry <laughs> you just take a deep breath 
I was having a bad day at work one day, and I said that. I told my one of my guys at work, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom and cry. And I came back from my break, and he was like, where were you? I'm like, I told you I was in the bathroom crying. <laughs> really, I was just sitting there. But you even made know. sure it's, before you came back, you're, like, rubbing your eyes really hard? <laughs> I got to make sure I look like I, I cried a whole bunch. He's like, shit, this guy's, like, on the brink. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I like organizing stuff. I like I like books being organized by color, and I like uh, having mental breakdowns and uh, single stall, single use bathrooms. Nice. All right. When the mood strikes, what what do you never got? public bathrooms though, right? No, you don't want to be fucking sitting there when someone's making some stanky soup. <laughs> making that poop soup, dude. I'm in the perfect podcast to talk about this because I've heard you guys talk about poop before. <laughs> So I don't know who it is at my work. I haven't confronted anybody yet. But someone at my work, when I pick the seat up, I've had liquid shit drip off the underside of it. Jesus. You know what I mean? Like It's, it's like in between the bowl and the yeah, seat. Yeah, I know exactly you know what, I mean? what you're talking about. And I'm like, how did you do that? Yeah, I, I don't know how it's actually possible, but I have seen that happen before. Sometimes you just it's butter the so bowl, gross. you know? It's so nasty. I also... I left. I went and cried in a different bathroom. So the next person who wrote in a question is Chase Hopkins. He's my best friend, and he has pointed out multiple times. He's like, there's something wrong with you because... And he's talking about me specifically. He's like, there's something wrong with you because you have this weird fascination with talking about poop and butts all the time. He's like, somehow... You've talked about it a lot. Yeah, he's like, somehow you always manage to work it into conversation. And I don't know why I find it so funny. I... I truly don't. Um, but the weirdest thing I'm into, I mean, really, it would be toilet talk if I'm being honest. But I thought you were about to transition into just, just, just shits and butts. <laughs> man. I do like butts, and I'm not gonna lie about it. But I'm definitely an ass man. Um, but the weirdest things I'm into, toilet talk would be one of them. Um, I have a real appreciation for trees. I think they're amazing. If there's a plant mm-hmm. that I enjoy more. Um, there isn't one really. I just fucking love trees, dude. Trees are fantastic. They're, they're really cool. Yeah. I have this like weird dream of owning a plot of land and just making my own like hatchery kind of a thing. Like having my own forest, essentially just planting a shitload of trees. Like it would definitely fuck up my house because their roots destroy shit, but it'd be dope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. And another thing that uh, apparently people think is odd is that I like to shovel driveways. I think it is fun. I like to shovel snow. Don't know why. I like to get paid for it, but I did enjoy doing it when I was a kid. Like, I grew up in Michigan, and whenever I'd have a snow day, I'd usually just take the snow shovel and, you know, go door to door. I don't know. Dude, I was, like, in sixth grade. I'd make, like, $300, like, easily. Okay, would they agree to it beforehand, though, or would you shovel their driveway and then extort them? Because I did that when I was a kid. I would shovel people's driveways and then leave notes telling them they owed me money. (laughs) (laughs) Which is amazing, because I'm sure looking back on that as an adult, you're probably like, Fuck that kid. I would, I would be, be just so fucking searching pissed. around to find him money. Yeah. And You'd be like, I didn't even tell you to do somebody that. Somebody gave me money and then my parents made me give it back. And you're like, I shoveled their driveway. Okay? <laughs> yeah. They gave me like 10 no, bucks I would knock and on the door and shit. And... I was like, man, you guys are cool because I would be so fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah, I would be probably a little frustrated. In fact, I actually had some kids come into our door last year and they asked if they could 
rake up some leaves in our yard and i was like um yeah okay sure whatever why not and uh then they knocked on the door again like a minute later and i was like what's up and they were like do you have any bags for the leaves and i went no that's why i haven't done it yet because i keep forgetting to buy bags and then they went okay can you go buy bags and this is where i lost my patience i went you know what no never mind never mind if i gotta go buy bags then i'm just gonna do it so just <laughs> forget it everything's cool but like this is not happening. They're now, trying sorry. to work you towards like when you're getting bags, get cash back. Twenty dollars will do this. <laughs> they probably were, <laughs> but it was just like I would have done it. But like, if if you're not even bringing all the tools you need to do the job, like you're hitting me up for a favor and money. No man, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, I'll, pu- I'll punch. My a day kid. off. I'm trying to I'm drink and play PUBG. Get out of here. <laughs> Uh, our next question, as I said before, is written in by Chase Hopkins. It is, in the next few decades, what will people get nostalgic for? What do you think they'll get nostalgic for, Josh? So, I've got a joke answer. <laughs> I can't do the delivery right, so I'm just going to say this is the joke answer and then give him a real answer. My joke answer was with a straight face. I was going to say... Yeah, I just think that, like, people are really going to be craving some Metroidvania roguelite, roguelites with crafting and survival aspects. We don't have a lot of those. But <laughs> There'll be... This, I mean... I can't stay with a straight face because those games are everywhere. The way I took this question is what do I hope ends within 10 years and people actually want it to come back? So, like, the things that I'm thinking are, like, fuck boys. I hope they don't exist. Fuck boys fucking suck. But then I hope <coughs> in 10 years people look back and they're like, you know who were good people? The guys who wore snapbacks and were really just the <laughs> shittiest people on earth. That's who I wish would come back. Like, those are the people we need to fight World War Four. That's what we need. Okay, so I I didn't read it that way. I read it like, what's some cool shit people are going to want more of in the future? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, I didn't read it like, what are people going to be like, oh shit, this is bad. It's pretty much a mainstay. Fucking Kyle's here. <laughs> we got a bunch of chads. Um, it's a mainstay that Chase will write in questions that he hopes will answer one way, and Josh and I 100% take it the other way and answer it <laughs> horrifically wrong. So I just have to keep it up. You'll answer it for real, and I will answer with Chads and Kyles. Taking over the world, <laughs> one Gatorade snapback hat at a time. <laughs> so what is your um, real answer other than your joke My real answer, answer is uh, D-Makes, uh, kind of like uh, Dragon Quest XI's 2D mode. I think we're going to see more of that as things get bigger and broader and more open and Red Dead 2 and Horizon Zero Dawn, which th- that stuff's all great. But, like, there's just so much of that. So I think more people are going to, A, crave smaller and more cinematic experiences. And I think a big part of that's going to be kind of a, a yearning to revisit kind of the warmth of, like, low-poly games. Kind of like uh, uh, the graphics you showed me for, how do you pronounce that? Adon? Adon? Um, anodyne, I think, is what it is. Anodyne. Yeah, stuff. so stuff like that or, like... Um, uh, Paratopic, um, those graphics are really cool. Um, and I'm sure you've seen those YouTube videos where the person will do demakes of like, you know, like current games. Yeah, similar to how like I guess um, I don't know if they're actually gonna do this, but people have talked about how cool it would be if Final Fantasy VII remake allowed you to play through the game in the old art style. Like you could. Oh, kind of like uh, Halo's uh, anniversary edition where you could just pop back and forth. Yeah, yeah, or like a um. Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap, how you could go between mm-hmm. the two. Yeah, that would be really cool. 
Um, I have to be yeah, honest, be, though. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, you, maybe. I mean, you could do it with the combat, they said. Yeah, yeah. When I when I heard you say D-makes, I thought you said deep fakes. And I was like, oh. like the porn where they basically Photoshop people's faces onto shit? You're like, people are going to be like, hell yeah, that was the stuff. Yeah. No. It's like, what? That's what you hope people are nostalgic for. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, that would be terrible. No, I think people are going to be like, man, remember Jersey Devil in the PS1? I, would, I wish we had a game that looked like that again. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a good thing to be nostalgic for. Way better than deepfakes. Um <laughs> Astral Bodhi wrote in and he said, how do you choose which games to cover? Which I'm also going to include you on this because you do actually, you stream as well as do Active Quest. Um, he says, I'm part of a team which is making an indie game. Uh, we'd love for you guys to check out our stuff and see if you like it. Um, I... We are going to check out your stuff, Bodie. I don't know if you're listening to this, but if you are, we are definitely going to check it out. I'm waiting until next week when normal Josh Boy, the biggest of average Josh Boys, is on. Because I don't want to force like Josh to check out stuff he might not care about. But I will force my Josh to do it because You're I Josh. love that kid. <laughs> Everybody's got a Josh. Everybody needs a Josh, really. <laughs> Like, that's why I just call Great. everyone Josh, because I'm just like, I'm just going to use you, basically, for your body and your mind, you know? You're my tool. Exactly. Yeah. So, how how um, do you guys choose? I'd be down for covering his game, too. Um, yeah, so I actually prepared an answer for this, just in case you asked me. Um, so, um, I'm going to name drop one person that we work with, another one I'm not going to name drop, because I don't know if they'd want me to. But uh, Chris Souza over at Pixel River PR... He's a, a Chris and I have known him for a while. He's a, a, a good friend of ours. Um, he started up his own PR place, and so we um, we, we already know him, and so we like to review stuff that he has because a it helps us, b it helps him, and c it helps the you know the games that we're covering. Um, and then we also have a contact um, at, over at Home Run PR, and we get stuff from them sometimes. And then the biggest thing is Chris. Chris is like fucking crazy, like. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or what, but he is so good at knowing exactly what to say. I mean, we got a review code for Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare. Yeah, that was crazy. When you guys said you got that, I was like, no fucking way. Yeah, Chris just knows exactly what to say to people. I mean, he's not being dishonest, but he's just good at talking to people. He's very honest with like our size, our growth, where we're at, where we're going, what we do. Like He's up front, but yeah, he's really good at emails. And then this is crazy, too. If, if we, we have all kinds of like contacts that he finds and he'll know who to email. So he doesn't have to ask around a whole bunch to try to get a review. Code. Like he'll email the person that he's supposed to email before he even like the initial contact from, from him is usually the review code request. Like he doesn't, he finds the email address he needs before he starts even like knocking on doors. It's impressive. Um, and then the, the ultimate thing is we look for things that we think we would, um, be good at covering which translates of course into what we want to cover and it's not because we don't want to cover things that we might not like it's that we want to give good coverage to games we kind of have the same kind of approach it's like kind of funny we're like we don't want to just shit on games we want to be excited about games we love games you love games let's talk about games so we try to cover stuff that we would be excited about because you know we 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 know that that's going to translate the best and what's going to help the most and I don't know. I've, I've, I've played a lot of bad games back when I was still trying to make it as like a writer before I changed goals um, and whatnot. I 
I mean, you know, you've probably heard the expression before, like, you got to put your time in. So, like, you're not reviewing GTA Five. You're reviewing... I don't even want to, like, pick a game at random because I don't want to just sound like an asshole. But, like, you know, you're reviewing a game that no one really wants to review. And it's going to be rough to review and it's going to be hard. And sometimes that boils down to not only... It could be fun, it might not be fun, but... Sometimes you have to, you'd end up reviewing games where like it doesn't work right and like you don't know what to do and you're stuck and you have a whole frustrating weekend, et cetera, et cetera. So I've already done all that stuff and so I don't know, at the risk of sounding like cocky, it's not that I'm saying like I can review whatever I want. I've quote unquote made it. It's just like I've made a decision where I don't want to review something that I don't want to play. So um yeah, pretty much just what Chris can get his hands on and what we're able to get um from our contacts and then also stuff we want to review that's why control was such a bummer because i wasn't like oh i can't believe i reviewed a bad game it was like oh i was really excited for this and i was hoping to get a gush about it to everybody but instead it was like i just didn't enjoy control so um i guess the short answer is chris is magic with emails and we just review stuff that looks like we would be able to provide good coverage to it yeah i need to enlist chris i'm like hey just you should write you should me some stock yeah. emails <laughs> and he's even got we even have a good excuse because we're like co-workers you yeah know? yeah that makes good sense i'll be like dude chris is yeah. my friend he wrote this it's fine like it's not weird chris said you give me three copies shh, shh. <laughs> you know the chris penwell kid up in canada yeah everybody does just give me your game give it yeah we were like really surprised though when he was like oh hey we got a copy of uh, modern warfare i'm like what the fuck yeah that's okay that's absurd um and then of course like you already mentioned we have a shared account i i fucked up one time though and excellently reviewed or redeemed a plague tale on uh, my account i felt so bad but i just gave them my logins and was like hey if you want to play this you, you can i'm sorry yeah yeah <laughs> um for me, I already answered his question on Twitter just to make it easier for him. But there are a couple mm -hmm. different ways that we do it here. Um, one, it's just like you guys. We look for games that we think will be good and that kind of resonate with us. Josh, like we have talked about a lot of card games on here. And that's not because of me. It's because of Josh. And it's it's not because of any like... Like, sometimes people will reach out to us, which is a way to do it. If you are an indie developer and you want your game to get out there, literally feel free to hit us up. I'm not going to turn down a request to look at your game, to kind of check out your press kit, to play a demo or anything like that. That's just, like, free content on our end. Really, there's, like, it's it's not, it's a win-win scenario. The, like, I'm... Mm -hmm. I'm going to try my best, even if I don't enjoy your game, to give it my honest opinion and tell you what the merits and kind of demerits are about it. There are times where, like, I have shit on games before, and sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's for a joke, similar to that God Bless the Crowd thing, but I'm trying to get better with it um, to kind of, like, give my true and honest opinion about a game, but still be slightly positive. I uh, yeah. It's, it's hard, too, because sometimes you're, like, really passionate, and you're like, oh, I hate this aspect of this game. Yeah, yeah. When really you're just like, man, I love this game except for this thing, and that's why I'm so upset about it, is this was in the way, this was the only barrier for my enjoyment or whatever. So, yeah, no, I have that problem, too, where I might sound like I really, like, I'm really hating on something, and really, you know, I'm just kind of, that's just kind of my personality. I'm kind of hyperbolic and stuff. Yeah, the, the biggest way, like, the easiest example to show what I believe is my growth um, is when I wrote for Parallax, I wrote a review for Candleman, and I did an entire paragraph-long dick joke about 
how there was it was yeah it was an entire paragraph dick joke about how i didn't actually think that the uh like a certain art piece was that good which then made the rest of the experience because it's entirely based on that aesthetic art piece um i didn't think it was that good so it kind of ruined the rest of the game for me so i made an entirely paragraph long dick joke versus when i did my preview for uh what was it bloodstained ritual of the night um I instead the one like big critique I had with it was that it felt like your movement was really slow and clunky and I didn't change myself entirely um, and I know this kind of goes away from the actual question but I didn't change how I approached it entirely I didn't refuse to make a joke but I only made two lines of jokes instead of a paragraph so I think I've gotten a little bit better at restraining myself but not that much um but yeah to answer your question how do we choose which games it's really what catches our eye but it's also if you're an indie developer just reach out give us your stuff tell us about your game and we will cover it i've had indie developers on here um we actually do like alex kissy jr i didn't reach out to him to do an interview he was like hey I've listened to some of your stuff. I would. I have an indie game coming out, and I'd like you guys to check it out. And I was like, sure, dude. Let's do an interview. Let's do all that. I have no problem with doing that kind of stuff. So feel free to reach out, which he actually already has. So we're going to check out his stuff. I'll also, 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 also. I don't know why I said that. I've now said that four times. Um, <laughs> I, I will make sure I give you that stuff as well. So you could check it out. It's kind of like their game is like Cat Souls is the way that apparently other people have said it. But after checking out some of this stuff, it looks a lot like that. I like me some Cat Boys and the gameplay style of Dark Souls is pretty cool. So I'm excited to check it out. So this is going to be for Joseph. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Because Joseph's fucking his two favorite things are cats and Dark Souls. Yeah, exactly. This seems like Um, his jam. I wanted to say this too. And I'm kind of speaking for you too, but I know that you're probably correct me if I'm wrong, but. I know over at Active Quest, and I'm sure for you guys too, even if it like we weren't the audience for the game, if we know it's got an audience, we'd still be happy to like, you know, tell our listeners about it because that's what we want to do for one of our goals is help people discover cool games. So, you know, even if, just because the game's not my jam, if I know someone else will enjoy it, then you know, we'd still be happy to talk about it. The show. Yeah. It's just like disco Elysium. We've talked about it multiple times and I've talked about how so it's bad. not my thing. But I think it could be other people's things, and I've said it nice things about it, and Josh really loves it, of course. So it's just like that. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean nobody else will. Plus, it is really nice for us being kind of like a niche podcast. We only do indie games, so like I'm not super worried about talking about the latest AAA game. Like On occasion, we might, and I'm trying to kind of keep that to a minimum just because... I find that annoying in podcasts when they say they're about indie games, but really they have an entire episode. And then they're like, Call of yeah. Duty, and you're like, okay, come I'm on. I'm like, man. dude, stop. Um, so Usually the biggest offender I see, and usually the podcast will kind of address it, uh, for podcasts that usually only cover like indie or retro stuff, they'll usually still cover Nintendo stuff, and they'll usually all start off by being like, I know it's not indie, I know it's not retro, but like it's fucking Zelda, so like, yeah, <laughs> we're we're talking about it. Uh, like retro knots, they'll usually only cover older stuff, but like when there's a new Mario or Zelda game, they're all over that shit. Yeah, I I of course don't have a problem with like people doing it on occasion, but there are certain limitations to it. Uh, so yeah, I feel like that 
adequately answered it, at least. So if you guys do want us uh, at IndiePod to check out your game, or you possibly want Josh to check it out, I'm sure he would also enjoy to check out games and stuff like that. Uh, you could probably DM any of us. I have our DMs open on Twitter now. I forgot to before, but now it's open. So feel free to DM us. Uh, our next question is written by Eric Bailey, and he said, what are the seven best sauce flavors for boneless wings? So I'd like to start this out with saying, one, boneless wings are just chicken nuggets. It's a fact. But they're for yeah. adults. They're adult I chicken nuggets. I fucking love chicken nuggets, dude. My entire diet mm-hmm. consists of chicken nuggets and chicken strips, so I'm not knocking it. And corn dogs with rage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I am saying that they're just chicken nuggets. So your seven best flavors, go. You've got them written down. Spicy garlic, chipotle, Mango habanero, hot barbecue, blazing with an apostrophe after the end, garlic parmesan, Caribbean jerk. Those are my favorites. All right. Well, even though you read. Yes, those are all from Buffalo Wild Wings, (laughs) but they're delicious. Even though you read that to me in its entirety before this, I have to be honest, okay? I'm a kind of funny fan, and I know they like chicken wings, but I enjoy plain chicken wings. That are boneless. So with the, with I the, like with chicken the, the dry rub, like the the dry rub seasoning, that can be yeah, good. Yeah, I just I I basically just like chicken nuggets. I also like uh, I like their parmesan, their their garlic parmesan. That's really good. I like some of their buffalo mm-hmm. seasonings, depending on which ones they are. The ghost pepper one is actually pretty good, even though it makes me want to die. Um, I do enjoy that. I don't have seven flavors because I don't actually eat boneless wings that much. Um, I've tried a couple different ones. Like I've tried, um, so like any tizers has, I don't know if they have boneless wings, but they have bone in wings. They have some good stuff. I like generally the mild flavors just because it's both the flavor and it's not an overwhelming spice. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. Um, plus I dip every, have you had Wendy's? They're like spicy oh, nugs are pretty good. I like fucking, those. That was a chef's kiss, by the way, because their spicy nugs are fucking delicious. <laughs> They're so good. Have you had Chick-fil-A? Have you had their nuggets? Um, I... <clears throat> no, I don't think I ever have, actually. Their chicken nuggets are like the only ones I've had where I'm like, they're not even trying to act like, oh, nuggets are all this shape and size. Like, theirs are just like breaded little pieces of chicken that are like all different shapes and sizes. But like, they're just... You can tell they're actually breading the chicken and frying it, like, or at least that's what it looks like, and it's a really good illusion. Either way, um, I think it enhances the flavor. I don't plus, know. They're my dog's favorite chicken nuggets, and I've had them, and they taste yeah, good. Yeah, plus it's Jesus' is chicken, so makes sense, right? It's going to be the best chicken. Dude, they recently uh, changed. Uh, they went from, they used to support, like, charities and, like, groups that were, like, really homophobic and shit. And they recently were like, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to support charities that, like, help with, like, hunger and stuff. And, like, people were, like, really mad. I'm like, are you guys fucking, like, really angry that they're, (laughs) like, feeding hungry people? That's a cool thing still, I imagine the thing that they were annoyed about is that they were, like, uh, the people who are possibly annoyed are either annoyed about flip-flopping or those people are possibly homophobic and they weren't cool with it in the first place. They're like, I just want to be gay and be homophobic and hate gay people and eat really good chicken. I don't. Yeah. They get boycotted either way, so I guess it makes sense. (laughs) Um, Let's move on. Oh, I should say, I have had some Chick-fil-A. I've had their spicy chicken sandwiches. I think they're good, but they're just a badass fucking piece of chicken. And I have a thing with texture, and if I feel a hard spot in my mouth and something that's soft, I'll stop eating. 
So I have to watch out for the big pieces of chicken, okay? And I know it's weird. I get it. It's just how I eat, okay? Also, famous bowls, I'm with you. Those are so fun. I will good. not get them with corn, though. Ruins no, it. I don't like eating stuff that's got loose corn in it because it just reminds me of poop. Oh, my God. Me too, dude. When I see, like, a single piece of corn floating around in my bowl, I'm like, get out of here. Like, that's disgusting, especially a mashed potatoes The chicken poop you out would have, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, disgusting. Uh, Samuel Fillion writes in and says, one, what movie or movie universe would you love to see made into a video game? And two, what kind of game would it be? Uh, it could be a franchise that already has a video game made, but not the kind uh, that that you'd want. Uh, for him specifically, it would be the Matrix plus Telltale style of storytelling. So he's talking about kind of like a Matrix adventure game. That would be That'd pretty be cool. dope. Yeah. Uh, so what are your answers to Samuel's questions? I know you didn't prepare this one. Yeah. Um, this is... Okay, so I don't have a specific uh answer I, I i guess i'll try to think of one while i'm giving my general answer but uh the cohen brothers i would like to see their stuff adopted or adapted by um rockstar games mm. so like no country for old men oh brother where art thou i mean not necessarily those ones but i'm just naming off some you know some of their movies in case people are like you know trying to you know picture it um i think no country for old men could work really well and i also think i don't know rockstar is good at making they're really good at creating big worlds, and I think the Coen brothers like have really densely like detailed worlds, and so I think they're they'd be a good natural fit. Um, and I also really I remember when Rockstar made the Warriors game, and that came out before I'd seen the movie. I saw the movie a few years later though, and I think they did a decent. I don't I mean I don't know how well it's aged, but at the time, reading about it, people seemed to be really into how well they adapted it, and so I I don't know I think that they. You know, they don't usually adapt stuff. They usually just make their own thing. But I think that they would be really good adapting existing source material and tweaking it for a game world. And I think that also may help their biggest problem, which is knowing when to fucking cut something and, you know, when to call the day. Um, without spoiling anything, the fucking epilogue for Red Dead 2 is like 15 hours. And it's like, this is an epilogue. It's supposed to be like short. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not supposed to be this long. This is bigger than some games. But, uh,. So I think that would help. Um, and then, um, off topic, but the other side of the question, I would love to see Kojima stuff adapted into TV shows. Really? I think that would work better than a game. Interesting. I'm not saying his games aren't good, but like he, you know, he he creates really in-depth worlds and stuff, and I think his stuff could be translated really well to like an HBO show or something. I mean, he does want to make movies and shit, so maybe he'll make a TV show. He's already show. made movies. He just calls them cutscenes. <laughs> And you can't fucking pause them, so good luck. <laughs> uh, for me, there are a couple of them. I, I don't know. There are a bunch of like there are a bunch of them that I would like. Uh, Overlord specifically, I would really, really like a something similar to like Resident Evil, but Overlord mm. I think would be really, really good. Specifically, first person, not third person. Um, I think experiencing kind of a World War Two. It's not necessarily a zombie epidemic, but the creation of zombies in World War II, I think, is really, really cool. And I've always found that interesting. Of course, Call of Duty has the zombies mode, which is just an arcadey version, but I would like something more story-heavy, kind of more suspenseful. However much I don't like horror stuff, I think Overlord was a really, really good movie. And 
I think it would make a great So game. I haven't seen that yet, but did you say that there's, like, a cult shit in it? Because I always like when movies or games explore, like, Nazi, you know, like Wolfenstein, like, occult stuff. I always think that's cool when they throw that in there. Yeah, it's... It's, I, I don't necessarily, if I would say it's a cult, it doesn't have any sort of like real mysticism to it, but I would recommend checking it out. If you haven't watched Overlord, you really should. I know you're getting into it, like you're watching a bunch of movies right now. Like you watched like mm-hmm. Parasite, you watched Marriage Story and stuff like that. I would check out Overlord if you're... I love spooky, scary stuff a lot too. Dude, right now um, I'm watching, um, I don't remember what it's called, um, but it's it's a it's a... It's, uh, it's, <laughs> the easiest way I could explain it. It's like Say Cheese and Die from Goosebumps, but, like, real. Like, you know, like, not kids TV show thing. I'm, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Oh, okay. It's a Goosebumps thing where, like, this, the camera, a camera taking pictures is causing, like, people to, like, fucking die and shit. Weird. It's, like, that kind of territory for this movie, but that's the first thing I thought of was, like, oh, this is, like, an adult version of the Goosebumps thing. But anyway, Yeah. Um, dude, there's some like, really cool foreign horror movies where they're not just, I don't know. It, it's, it's probably just because it's, it's, we're, it's different stuff than we're used to seeing. I'm sure that there's probably other countries that are saying the same thing. Like, oh, American horror is so cool, but it's just really cool to see like something completely different. But anyway, yeah, I am writing down Overlord right now and I'm definitely going to have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. It's, it's really good. It's kind of different. Um, yeah, the American horror versus foreign horror. It seems like American horror a lot of the times is jump scare based, where like foreign mm-hmm. horror is really like. suspenseful and just kind of like unnerving. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Of course, there's like the the stuff like um, Get Out and what is it? I'm thinking about Hereditary, which is oh, Hereditary was so. Did you see that? No, I haven't watched it, but oh see, my god, it's so intense. I'm, there's a lot with that that I'm not gonna be cool with. Like I watched Midsummer with my fiance. Oh she really my god! Me yes. To watch it, and I was like, I fucking hate you. Why'd you make me watch this yeah. fucking movie? We saw that in theaters, and we were like dead silent for like ten minutes, which we saw Toy Story four right afterwards. So like the walk to refill our pop and popcorn, and then like go to our seats for Toy Story four was just silent. Yeah. Because it was like, what did we just watch? Holy shit. Yeah, I felt like she was getting back at me for something, making me watch this fucking movie. And I was like She wants you to she wants you to wear a bear suit, that's all I I would say. rather kill myself. Let's be real. <laughs> um and another answer I would like is I'm I'm a big fan of Elysium. I think it's a really good movie with uh with matt damon and i think a third person like cover shooter would be really really good in that universe just the fact of these guys having these like freaking bone bound mech suits or just kind of like mech augments i think are really really cool of course once again they have done it in video games before i know like fucking call of duty advanced warfare was very similar to this but i would like a third person cover shooter because if i'm being honest that is my favorite type of that that's kind of like me being a big like mass effect fan i also enjoyed the division i also really enjoyed spec ops the line haven't finished it though already know what happens bioware briefly talked about internally about making a uh mass effect first person shooter that was took play that was the setting and story was the first contact war with the turians yeah that would be cool 
And I always thought that would have been really fucking cool. I wish they would have. Yeah, done. I'm I'm super into people fleshing out their universes. Like I still think that they need to like make more uh kind of like offhanded stories in the like Mass Effect and Dragon Age worlds, mm-hmm. similar to like uh, Paragon Lost and fuck i can't remember what the cassandra movie is but it's really terrible i don't know the movie itself i just hate the animation it's 3d animation what league of legends is doing yeah how they're like creating different kinds of games in the universe yeah i want to see way more of that because it would just be so cool to be able to be like oh shit bioware is making a shooter and it would be a really good way for these developers to get to kind of step outside their comfort zone and maybe make something that they're not used to making. And then, hey, if it doesn't do super well, then that's fine. It was just a one-off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for writing in, Samuel. Always appreciated. Uh, our last question be- comes in from anonymous user. Now, I'm not saying that hmm. this was me, but... It's, it's, well, it's anonymous, so... It yeah, exactly. Be. It's definitely not. Um, this person who just... I mean, I imagine by the way he says, hey, boys, but B-O-I-S... Mm-hmm. Probably a very handsome, maybe well-endowed individual. Mm-hmm. So never know. No way to find out. But he writes in and says, Hey, boys, can we please get a definitive ranking of three these three images? Each has its merits, but who will come out on Tub Top? So these three images would be, we have Henry Cavill from the Netflix series The Witcher in the bathtub. Okay, this is the bathtub scene. Then we have Margot Robbie from The Big Short. Great movie, by the way. You guys should check it out. And then we have... Really good movie. I mean, I feel like easily the tub top, okay? And I don't know if I'm going to have to, like, debate this with you, but easily the tub top, the picture of just the cinnamon buns himself, Mr. Joseph Yaden, just sliding in, seemingly naked into this, what I'm assuming is not actually a bathtub, but a hot tub. Mm-hmm. So, Joseph Strusel. <laughs> I also love that he covers it up with this with. small emoji. <laughs> well, because it's he, he knows that that's what we're doing. We're wearing sunglasses. And exactly. Yeah. I'm uh, sunglasses. Um, I'm gonna indoors. go with the last one because Joseph is clearly enjoying that bath. Those jets are clearly pumping out some good pressure, and. Whatever the 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 cause for the stress that caused him to have such a rough day, you can tell those stresses are just completely vanishing as he enjoys this bath. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with no, image number three uh, with uh, Mr. Big Joe Yady. Ah, okay, those are some good arguments. See, because you've got Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia, he's got that big dick energy in spades here. He's like he's chilling back. He's like, y'all don't even know. I've got a python. It's cool. I appreciate that. Then you've got Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. just beautiful, amazing, chilling in a tub, got her glass of champagne, okay? And then... Joseph looks the most confident, yeah. though. He looks like he doesn't even care. It's like, he's he's got big dick energy, but he's not trying, okay? Exactly. That's what makes this image In fact, he's so, almost rejecting yeah. the big dick energy that he knows he fully embodies. Plus, you know for a fact he's sitting on one of those jets getting that butt pleasure, Okay. You gotta appreciate mm-hmm. the butt fun, the butt play. It's called, it's called the reverse enema, which is where it just gets jammed up higher <laughs> and turns into earwax. I think that's the reverse enema. Okay, so I think the tub top definitely, and I'm gonna have to get some sort of patch that when I eventually stalk Joseph Yaden in real life, other than just on uh, the internet, mm. I'm gonna give to him. 
possibly like wrapped uh, on a brick through his window. I don't know. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to give it to him because he is. Maybe like a walkie talkie that says, please love me. Like it's taped on there in a piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. Next to it is a and patch that says, the brick. tub top, numero uno. Mm-hmm. Tub top champion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it for this episode of Indie Incursion, because this is an Indie Games podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys like this episode, make sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes. That always helps us out. Also, leave a review for Active Quest on iTunes. These guys trying to get to E3. They're trying to make moves here. Give them some nice reviews. Make sure you also follow them. Give them questions on their question threads because these guys, they get into tentacle porn when you don't even mention it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And please, please, uh, just like and share each one of these episodes. It helps us out so much. We're trying to spread the word about indie games and all sorts of awesome games please do that if you guys would like to chat with us outside the show you can follow me at hide legion that's h-y-d-e-l-e-g-i-o-n you can follow the podcast we're currently on indie incursion at indie pod make sure you check that out for uh every week before the podcast comes out i'm going to tweet out the links to the kickstarter the god bless the crowd picks so that you guys can check them out and see how egregious that fucking kickstarter is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so frustrating because, like, if they would just try to make a good game, they probably, like, you know, like, good, could, yeah, you know? Yeah, they could definitely make some good boobs, so. They got too distracted by the boobs, though. <laughs> and we also tweet out a question thread. Uh, you can also email us at IndieIncursionPodcast at gmail.com. I imagine that'll be hard to spell. I don't know. Google it, I guess. I don't know what that means. Uh, you can follow josh at mr josh nichols is that correct yes okay mr josh nichols you can also check out his show at active quest show check it out it's also part of the hp video game podcast network they do great stuff i listen every week i love listening to it it's great um and i want to take this time to actually i meant to do this as kind of a goof um before we talked about joseph's naked body but i forgot to I really do appreciate you guys. You often talk about me and our podcast on your show, and I feel like that has attributed to a lot of the success we've seen. So thank you guys so much. I really do view you guys as friends. We have this kind of bromance going on, and I love you guys. You're amazing. I love that you guys come on this show. You interact. You send in questions. You like. You share. You do everything. You guys are amazing. So please, if you guys are listening to this, um, go to their show listen leave them nice reviews and everything they're amazing people please do that uh and yeah would you like to shout anything else out josh i know you have a twitch channel but i don't know how twitch works so feel free to oh you're good i also don't stream very consistently just because i forget to nice (laughs) you know or you're like i'm not good at this game i don't need to tell people that (laughs) so that's why um, i don't twitch stream (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would just suggest that everybody uh, go listen to uh, uh, Taylor Swift and check out her new TV show coming out on Netflix soon. She's actually a huge fan of IndiePod, uh, Indie Incursion. I always mix up your guys' Twitter handles sometimes because it's just a perfect Twitter handle. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Taylor Swift's a huge fan of Indie Incursion. So let's re- let's repay you know that back to her and let's check out her new show coming out on Netflix soon. I forgot the name of it, so we'll have to pull that up, I think. Taylor Swift... Netflix. It's called Miss Americana. Ah. It looks pretty interesting. So I think that we should just pay that to you know back to her since she is the number one fan of Indian. 
So after we got off the podcast last week, or I think it was two weeks ago when we had Chris on, it might have been last week, he recommended, because I've been talking about possibly changing the name of Indie Incursion, and he recommended changing it to Undie Incursion, Taylor Swift's Dirty Little Oh, Secret. I remember that, yeah. And I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> that's a great name. I'm not going to do that, but that's fantastic. It's super good until you get sued into a blimp. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she'd be cool with it, especially since... We talked about a reverse enema not too long ago, but... I don't think she would actually try to cause harm to you financially. I think she would just be like, hey, maybe maybe, maybe don't tell everybody that the podcast where they talk about smashing their ass into the urinals. <laughs> maybe don't say that's my favorite, you know? Or maybe it is. Nobody knows. Nobody can look it up. Nobody can prove it. Yeah, like so... even if it is her favorite, it's not, it's not anyone's yeah, business. Yeah, it's a dirty yeah. little secret for a reason. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And once again, check out ActiveQuest. Good show. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.